What up, guys, and welcome to Wise Guys episode 23. This one's a fun one. The NFL season is quickly upon us. So today, I'm with my boy Johnny T, as always, and B-Cap, and we're going to break down our NFL division winners, our playoff predictions, and our NFL awards. Guys, yo, let's jump right into it. Let's talk some football. I'm so pumped. The The regular season is what, next Thursday? This Thursday, This basically. Thursday. There we go, man. Thursday. Let's turn up, guys. It's football season. Turn up, turn up. Um, anybody want to kick off, or do you guys want me to take it? Ah, yeah, for once. Let's see. Brandon is going to kick it off. For one time only. Um, all right, so starting off with our division breakdowns, right? Our division winners. So um, we all use this uh, website slash, slash app that John so nicely uh, handed out to me and Justin uh, to basically predict uh, every game for these 18 weeks of football. And what I what I came away with, right? I just want to read off. So in, on um, July 7th, 2022, I made a list of just, you know, on paper, who do I think is going to make the playoffs? And these, this is what I had for July 7th of this year. AFC, I had Bengals, Colts, Chargers, Chiefs, Bills, Patriots, Broncos. And NFC, I had Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, Rams, Cardinals, 49ers, and Panthers. Now, I believe this was yesterday, September 3rd. The AFC kept the Bengals, kept the Colts, kept the Chargers, kept the Bills, kept the Patriots, kept the Chiefs, kept the Broncos. So the AFC, I believe, is the exact is what I what I predicted it to be. The NFC, I had one change. I had Rams staying, Bucks staying, Packers staying, Cowboys staying, Panthers staying. And, oh, no, I think I had two changes, I believe. Yes, two changes. So 49ers and Cardinals didn't make the cut for me. I had Washington and New Orleans Saints making the playoffs. So um, I don't know if you guys want me to get into, like, a, a, my little, like, sentence per breakdown for a team or if you guys want to react to that or give your own predictions, how you guys want to play this one. I thought we were going to go division by division. So we'll okay, start so off with the best, and then we'll go to the very worst. AFC, okay. then NFC. All right. Do you guys want to do – so I'll say my piece on one team, and then we go around, or do you want me to talk about the whole division, and then yeah, I, I give it to you guys? We can just collaborate, you know? You can start off, and I'll okay, try so to Justin. Let's kick off with the AFC West, then. Like you said, the best uh, division in football. I think we all agree on that. I think it's the consensus in the NFL world. Um, so for me, the Chiefs, I, I'm solely putting my trust in Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey. Um, the culture, the system, I, I, I just believe in it, and I think they're, they're a mainstay for a decade you know, plus. They're going to be here. Um, the Chargers, I mean, I, I love on the defense, just to highlight the best players there. I mean, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa coming off the edges is going to be deadly. J.C. Jackson, Derwin James, and Asante Samuel Jr., who I think is going to take another step up, and I think he's going to be a very good player in this league uh, on the defense and, and in the secondary. That That's just the Chargers, I believe, in those talents right there. And then I'll, on the offense, Justin Herbert, top 10 quarterback in the league, Keenan Allen, who's very underrated, Mike Williams, who's starting to come into his own, and obviously Austin Eckler out the backfield who can run 
with the best of them, and he's arguably the best receiving back in football. And then uh, the Broncos, I'm putting my trust in Russ. Uh, supposedly, they're a quarterback away, so we're going to have to see about that. And they got a lots of talent. And to round it off the AFC West, the Raiders, this is McDaniel's second act. We'll see how it plays out. First time around wasn't so well. Uh, I love the front seven. The back five is pretty mid. And uh, they're going to have to win uh, a lot of shootouts, that offense. Are the Broncos really a quarterback away? I don't buy it at all. They give up Shelby Harris in the interior defensive line, along with uh, Noah Fant. And I'm expecting big things this year for Jared Judy and Alberto on that offense. But with Nathaniel Hackey coming in, this team's not ready-made. There's no system. There's no structure. It's a brand-new thing and a brand-new quarterback in a division that is the best in football. I have a really hard time with the Broncos this season because this team is totally unproven. And even on the defense, while Patrick Sertin, I think, is going to be a stud along with Justin Simmons in the secondary, and that can be one of the three best in the NFL, Bradley Chubb was massively underwhelming a year ago. And that's supposed to be their main guy with Randy Gregory on the edge. So I look at the division they're in where you have to play Kansas City twice a year. With Andy Reid, who you said, Brandon, is one you can trust, I believe, is a top-four head coach in the game. And then at the same time, the Raiders have even more firepower in their offense. And that Devontae and Derek Carr connection is one you just can't brush off. It could be the best in the entire league this season, relative to Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. So I don't have the Broncos making the playoffs. I do have them finishing 500 at 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. I have them tying with the Raiders. And mm. just overall in division, I have the Chiefs winning it. I have them winning the tiebreaker with the Chargers. But, dude, only two playoff teams are coming out of this division, in my opinion. I look at the ASU North, and I think three. We'll touch on that in a moment. We'll come out of there. I've only got one from each of the South and the West, or the East. You said only only two people, two teams are coming out of the AFC West. Mm-hmm. I have the Raiders missing the playoffs. I honestly, I, I kind of think that's a little bit crazy. I think we 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 literally started talking about the AFC West for one reason. It's the best division in football. Best division in football. AFC East doesn't stand a single chance outside of Buffalo against any of the teams in the West. AFC North. Yeah, you could throw in the Baltimore Ravens. I feel like I'm big. I'm high on Baltimore this year. I'm high on the Bengals. Not too high on the Steelers. Not too high on the Browns. Sorry, John. Um, and then in the South, outside of the Colts, it's a laugher. So I think without a doubt, there is a place for a third team, whether that be, I think the, the Raiders get it. I think the Chiefs get it. And I think the Chargers get it. I think Denver is the odd man out. But they're going to be beating the sh- each other each week almost yeah they will but they'll be beating the crap out of the other teams too the broncos are a team that plays the nfc west too yeah so for me right uh, i didn't give my records but um i have it pretty close like i said uh when we broke down the divisions the charges i got finishing 12 and 5 uh the chiefs i have 11 and 6 the broncos i have 11 and 6 and the raiders i have 9 and 8 um yeah i i the Broncos do play the uh, NFC West, as you say. Uh, but the Cardinals, they play are late in the season, and we know about the Cardinals, you know, collapses in the late in the season. Um, I won't get too much into it, but 
I, I looked at the schedules. I went through each game, and I, I just, you know, I made a couple of changes in this division too. Like, I just have a lot of scribbles right here with their records that I make some made some changes to. But how I finish it is Chargers first, Chiefs second, and Broncos third with the Raiders coming at nine, eight, and, and four. Mm, I have the Raiders in nine, seven, and one. Nine, yeah. seven, and one. I had to throw a tie in there, and I think it was their second match together. With the Broncos? All right. Um, yeah, is there any, anything else you guys want to say on the AFC? Go ahead, what is the – two questions. What is the breakout candidate in this division, and what is the rookie standout for the season? Oh, boy. Um, so I think name that comes right to mind, right, when you say breakout player, and he's a rookie too, is Sky Moore. I got to be honest. It, it, that's the first name that popped into my mind. For, for me, a breakout candidate has to be Jerry Judy. I think uh, it's about time he has himself a quarterback. When he came out of the draft, everybody was hyped up for him. The guy has elite route running skills. He's fast. He's quick. With a good quarterback, the guy can do it all. And I'm hoping that um, – I don't know if this is going to happen – but if Russell Wilson has that Peyton Manning effect that when he walked into Denver, Demarius Thomas and Eric Decker just exploded. And I'm hoping that Russell Wilson getting in there, that we're going to see the same thing from Cortland Sutton, who we've seen flashes of. We've seen him look like a top dog. So I would, I would love to see him be, develop into a true number one. But honestly, I could see Jerry Judy turning into the number one on that team. You want to know who mine is in Kansas City? It's Juju Smith-Schuster. This guy's put up 1,400 yards playing the slot off of number two in his second season, and akin to Cortland Sutton, was a pro bowler at like 22, 23 years old. Now he gets to play with the best quarterback in the NFL off of Travis Kelsey. I think they're going to utilize Sky Moore a ton, and what Juju thrives where is out of structure. When a play breaks down, he can find a soft spot in his own. He can get into tight windows and man as well, and him and Ben Roethlisberger just made stuff happen out of nothing. And when it comes to improv, Pat Mahomes is the best in the game, man. Mm. And I think their connection on third downs is going to be go-to for Kansas City. And for all the fans out there that don't like Juju Smith-Schuster because of the personality and the entertainment value he brings off of the football field and the TikTok videos, let me tell you, this dude is not only a baller, he is a stud. He's proven to be a pro bowler, and he hasn't had a quarterback in two, three years. He was injured last season. And he's going to wear his heart on his sleeve week in and week out. One of the toughest players in the NFL. He blocks. I love that block on Vontez. I just replay him ahead again and again. It is one of the coolest plays, and he is one that will stick up for his guys. I'm expecting him to have over 1,000 yards this season. Maybe seven or eight touchdowns, and hopefully, because I'm a big fan of him, he can get back into the Pro Bowl. And like you said, Brandon, Sky Moore is an obvious candidate because of opportunity and talent to have a big-time rookie season. I might him, have him in the rookie of the year discussion and Justin Jared Judy as well. This is another big time player. I'm interested to see how they use him, whether it's in the slot or on the outside of KJ Hamler, because he's another player coming off mm -hmm. of injury. All those Broncos receivers, Sutton was out in 2019, his third season. Last year was, what's his face? Hamler. And then this year it's Tim Patrick. Like they have a staple of receivers and we just haven't gotten to see all of them together at the same time. That's what's upsetting because the Broncos' talent, they got two of the best backs in the game. I think Melvin Gorin still has more left in the tank. It's just the rest of that team really not sold on. 
And if your most deep and well-rounded position is running back, where you got two dynamic backs and not really feeling great about your overall team. I just don't oh. think the Broncos are good enough uh, in the front seven or in, on the interior. Because, like, the Chiefs, they have a top three interior offensive line of Humphrey, Tooney, Thune, and Smith, the second-year player from last year. I mean, that Chiefs offensive line is one of the best in the NFL. And I think that as well is really going to help them this season in a division that has so many elite pass rushers. And, of course, Joey Bosa and Cleo Mack, not to mention Chandler Jones and Max Crosby, who may be the most underrated edge in the game. I think for Kansas City, though they don't have elite tackles, they're just fine. It is a good thing that they have one of the best outlines in the game. So, question. Looking at the Chiefs' offense, obviously you're taking out Tyreek Hill. He's no longer there. That's a big part of their offense. Is Juju their number one, or is it – just by committee, whoever steps up that week. I think he starts as number one. I but... say the latter. Yeah. Between Kelsey, who is still the best tight end, in my opinion, oh, yeah, obviously. Sky and him, and then you have MVS as that deep threat. He's a guy that's had drop issues in the past, but last season he was able to clean some of those up. And I think he is that guy that will be able to take the top over the defense. And with Tyree Kill, last year he had a career low in yards per target after his rookie season. His rookie season was 7.1. Last year, it was 7.8. And that was because we were talking about before, Brandon, when the Chiefs were struggling, they started to work more in the intermediate game and so on. And I think you can replicate a lot of Tyreek's production. So I'm looking forward to see what Sky can do in a similar role. And honestly, I think people are going to be really surprised as to how well this Chiefs offense can get out of the mud in those situations where they may not be playing at a high enough level. Yeah. So what are the records that you have for the division? Chiefs 11 and 6, Chargers 11 and 6, and then the Raiders 9-7 and 1 with the Broncos finishing a last going 8-8 eight, eight, and 1. I have the Chargers winning the division at 12 and 5. I have the Raiders at 11 and 6, Chiefs at 11 and 6, Denver at 10 and 7. Yeah. So you have all four teams winning 10 games. It's going to be a tight race. Even with injuries? Because I think one of these teams will fall out because of just some time. I, 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 think, I think when we're doing predictions like this, we can't take injuries in consideration. I know they're a real thing, but you have to look at it like currently constructed because then we're just going to go into like, we're going to fall down the Alice in Wonderland hole and just be, you know, that, sure. you know. I try so to look it. at it. Yeah. But you know what it is? I'm looking at the quarterbacks and there's no other division that has this, this level of QB play. So I'm confident to say that as long as those QBs are under center, these teams can win games. Yeah. So, I mean, I gave mine my records, but I'll just give it off and then we'll switch to uh, the net, our next division. Chargers 12 and 5, Chiefs 11 and 6, Broncos 11 and 6, and then the Raiders at um, 9 and 8. Um, so do you guys want to go to the AFC East or you guys want to go to John's AFC North? Well, we have to go to the second best division in the AFC, that is. All right, so John wants to go to the AFC. He's <laughs> trying to get that. Um, so with the – so let, let's just, you know, pick off with the um, – who I believe is the best team in that division. Um, and you're going to quickly find out that I actually believe is the best team in the AFC is the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, I'm, I, I do not believe it was a fluke last year. I believe the Bengals are have finally arrived. Joe Burrow is that dude. Um, the offense has gotten better. And and when I look at it, I, I, I mean, I say 
I wrote that they, they have the best offense in the NFL. I, I thought about it and I just said, you know, all around they have the best offense in the NFL. Nobody can go as deep as the receivers as they can at, with the talent. And then they have the Pro Bowl running back to, to, to back it up. Um, and, uh, and, and I love that they addressed the weaknesses, the O-line in the secondary. They addressed what were the problems, the major problems last year. Those have been addressed. So, and I like the moves that they made. So I've got the uh, Bengals finishing at 13 and four with the number one seed in the AFC. Even with the division and also the schedule they're going to have after winning it last season, they won 10 games only last year. Yeah. Um, but again, they addressed the weaknesses that were affecting them. Joe Burrow getting sacked, uh, what was it, 51 times in the regular season, and I think a total of 70 times with the, adding the playoffs. Uh, they addressed those, you know, bringing in Kappa and bringing in Karras, Lyle Collins as well. The secondary was getting torn to shreds. They, they, they addressed that. So I, I just look at it and I say, you know what? I, I do have them. Uh, let's see. I'll just give you. I do have them losing to the Ravens in Baltimore. I have them losing to the Bucks. And, oh, actually. Interesting. I didn't even know this. I think I, I have the Ravens beating them twice, actually. I have the Ravens sweeping them in a week 18, the last game of the season. Mm. But I have them beating the Browns both times, and um, your Steelers, yeah, I have them sweeping the Steelers. Mm. Last year, they obliterated us in both matches, and where that started, you talk, talked about it before, Joe Mixon, he just ran all over us, because last year, the Steelers' defense got them into the playoffs by miracle in spite of having the worst, and I mean the worst, rush defense in the entire league. We lost Tyson Alulu after, I think it was a couple of quarters. We didn't have Stefan to it, but we talked about it in my Steelers hype video, some would say, where we had a lot of Steelers fans really on the train that this is a playoff team. They replenished the D-line, signing Larry Onajobi out of Cincinnati. He's played AFC North football his entire career. He was coming off of a, he failed his physical at the Bears, which is how you end up on the Steelers. And then they get healthy Tyson Alulu. We add Miles Jack. And I think this secondary is so disrespected. Minka Fitzpatrick, he may not be the best safety in football. I don't believe it, but he's one of the very best. And shout out to him for representing New Jersey. Terrell Edmonds is the definition of sturdy, one of the most reliable starters in the NFL, and he gets disrespected and sometimes called a bust, which is ridiculous. He's very good at covering tight ends. He's good in the box. You can use him in different sub-packages. The only issue with him is that at times he can give some penalties and big-time plays in the back end, and people see that and like, whoa, he's very good. And then at a cornerback, the Steelers have never had a true number one. For many years, it was like Taylor and then Joe Hayden. Now we have... Cam Sutton, Akello Witherspoon, who last year down the stretch made so many big-time plays when Minka wasn't. And we got in Levi Wallace, who was a very good number two corner last year in Buffalo. So I think the secondary is pretty good. And people I hear often, Joel, on pick a side, Joel is saying this is a bad secondary. I'm like, I think the word he used was bad. I'm like, this is actually pretty good. It's above average. And then the offense the Steelers have, and I want to take away from the Bengals, I do think it's good enough to steal a game from Cincinnati and Baltimore. Now, I have... The Bengals winning the division, barely. I think those are the top two teams, and we can all agree there, right? Which top two teams? The Bengals Cincinnati and Baltimore. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you there. That's that's honestly where I have it, and I have the division coming down to a Week 18 Cincinnati against Baltimore. So I have mm. Bengals winning the, the division. Ultimately, I see them with the same record at 12-5. and five. I mm. love the – I'm big, big on the Baltimore Ravens. I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. 
And uh, I just think when you have the league's best rushing offense and a quarterback that's progressing, getting better passing the football, I wish they would have gotten more weapons on the outside, but I do believe in Harbaugh. I believe in the, their system in Baltimore. And all in all, I guess you can't doubt Lamar Jackson, man. He puts you guys in a position to win every every damn game. So I got them both going 12-5, and five, but the Bengals ultimately winning the division. Yeah, so, I did. go ahead. Go ahead, Jen. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I didn't say I gave you the three three losses for the Bengals I had, which were the um, – uh, the Ravens twice and the Bucks, but their fourth loss that I have is to the New Orleans Saints, Week Six, and it's in New Orleans. I have them losing that game. Um, uh, but yeah, going on to the Ravens, I had them at twelve and five, and then I I I uh, landed with the ten and seven record. Um, I think they're dangerous. They can beat anybody on any given Sunday with with Lamar, but I just think that. You know, they're going to split with the Steelers, I believe. Uh, I got them beating the Browns both times. I have them losing to the Bills and the Patriots. Yeah, I, I'm just not that high on, on Baltimore this year. This waiting game with Lamar wanting the biggest contract in football, it is very risky. I mean, it, as a Steeler fan, I'm glad. Because as good as the Steelers have defended and prepared for Lamar in their matchups against him, this dude is a stud. We forget so easily he's not only a league MVP, but he wins more than any other quarterback. Since coming to the league, his winning percentage is above 75%. And this was a team that before him was boring. John Harbaugh was on the hot seat. And I think with Baltimore, I had them winning 11 games, one less than the Bengals. You can't overlook the potential this team has. Sure, they have basically nothing at receiver outside Rashad Bateman, but they don't really need it. Mark Andrews is one of the three best tight ends in the NFL. Brandon, you love him. Justin, I know you love him. That is their number one. And this offense, they don't really care that much because they're going to utilize him a ton. They're going to use Isaiah Likely a lot. I think he can be a big-time player of uh, Coastal Carolina. They can use him as a receiver. And I think a block to stay on the field that's two, two, that's two big-time tight ends that they're going to incorporate heavily in this passing attack. Gus Edwards won't be ready because on the pup list until week four, but I think with any running back, we saw last year Tyson Williams was undrafted. This is going to be one of the best rushing attacks. And most importantly, you're not only getting J.K. Dobbins and Lamar back, but on the secondary, you're going to have healthy cornerbacks. And I think this defense is much better because this team's draft was ridiculous. I mean, I don't think any team had a better class this last year. Even the Jets and the Giants are picking the top 10. The Ravens just got so many depth pieces. And I think out of this class, they're going to have maybe six or seven starters and two or three stars. But you guys disagree with that? I can run over in a moment. Yeah, I don't remember the, the draft. I know they got Kyle Ham Hamilton, who I'm a big guy. At but... 14. They got yeah. Tyler Lindenbaum at 25, the center from Iowa. Then David Ajabu, who just is a perfect fit for them. He tore his Achilles at the Combine. At pick 45, Travis Jones at a UConn D-tackle at pick 76. Then they go in the fourth round, Daniel Follier out of Minnesota, offensive tackle. Jalen Armour Davis, he's a corner out of Alabama in the fourth round. I thought that was a really good pick. Charlie Kolar in the fourth round, a tight end that was supposed to be their second number two. Um, but I think that's going to be likely. They took a punter in the fourth round, which was like, okay, I guess you have like five first or five fourth round picks you can. Damarion Williams, another corner. This one out of Houston. 
and then Tyler Batty, a running back in Missouri in the six. I, I mean, they are going to get half a dozen stars at least in this class. I don't know if Kyle Hamilton has star upside per se, but I do think he fits well for this team. I'm expecting Linderbaum to fill out the center position. And like I said before, between Likely, David Ajabo, and Travis Jones, they got some guys with legitimate star potential on day two. And I'm really worried that they not only won this draft, but they won it by a landslide. And I think there's a lot of depth coming in with this team. And while they may not be ready to start this season, you saw last year with the Bengals of Joe Burrow coming off of his AC, torn ACL. It took him some time to ramp up. And by midseason, he was ready to go. I think we're going to see a similar thing with the Ravens this year, where this is the door course in the AFC. They may need more talent on the outside of receiver to really win the AFC and go to the Super Bowl. But this team, like you said, was it you, Justin? They can beat anybody. No, I, I, I said that they can beat anybody on any given Sunday. Uh, but I, I do want to say I do love John Harbaugh. I think he's one of the best coaches in football. Um, they are healthy this year that they were torn apart before the season even started and right as the season got going in the secondary and in the running back room. But just for me, it's just I look at it and I say, this is a Lamar bus team. If Lamar doesn't show up, they're not winning. So and everything's predicated on Lamar Jackson. And that, you know, as I do love Mark Andrews, it's going to be a lot easier for teams to defend one tight end with not really worrying about the receivers and then focusing and honing in on Lamar Jackson. I think Isaiah Likely is really going to – he's been a stud in preseason and in training camp. That dude can play. Um, so if you want to – but so Justin, can I do you jump to my... do you want to say on Ravens? Yeah, no, 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 I'm good on the Ravens. I've said what I need to say. Bro, I, I really think that this team – like, you know, I agree with John. John said it. They're a dark horse in the AFC. I think that's that's the case for every single season that they're out there. I just think – like I said, I said it before. They can beat anybody. As long as you have Lamar Jackson under center – you're you're in good hands. They have an elite defense. They they can they can protect the passer. I think the Ravens are in good hands right now. I just think at the moment Cincinnati just wins the division. They just inch them out in Week 18. That's it. So Justin, uh, think about the Pittsburgh Steelers. Actually, okay, yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that. So I did say earlier I'm not high on the Steelers, but I'm not high on the Steelers in the sense that I don't think they make the playoffs. Okay, but I do believe that this is the time for Pittsburgh to. You know, I, I think Kenny Pickett is the guy. I think he's the one that is going to usher usher in this new era. He's going to embody what Pittsburgh is all about. And I think at the end of this season, we're going to start talking about Pittsburgh in a new light and say, wow, okay, this team might be able to compete with the top dogs in the AFC. I do have them making some big wins. And, and I, I think you might want to place your money on some of these things. Week one against Cincinnati, Brandon said it a bunch of times. Week one is the biggest toss-up. I got I got Pittsburgh robbing one from Cincinnati right there. Coming off of a, a Super Bowl appearance, the Bengals are feeling high. Jamar Chase is cocky. J- Joe Burrow is oozing confidence. But guess what? Those boys up in Pittsburgh are going to roll into town and just smack you back into reality a little bit. So I got Pittsburgh knocking them off in week one. And I also have Pittsburgh beating Buffalo in Buffalo. I... Buffalo always always loses one game. Second where, year in a row? Yeah. I, I, Buffalo always loses one game where we're like, what the hell, man? When they lost to the Jags, I feel like we're going to have a moment like that. The reason why I love Pittsburgh right here is because you have Mike Tomlin there. 
Mike Tomlin has shown you that he could win with just about any quarterback. It may be, it may not look pretty, but uh, he can coach up a team to victory and people love to play behind him. So that's one of the reasons why I just sit here right now. And I'm like, yo, while this team isn't a playoff team, I, I could see them winning. I have them winning 10 games, but I feel like that could easily go from eight to 10 in that range. Um, there's some toss ups there, but like I said, I have two upsets right here. I'm a big believer in what the Steelers are doing. Their their defense with TJ Watt anchoring it. Fitzpatrick there in the back. In the back, dude. Pittsburgh is promising, man. I'm with you, John. It's not yeah. Heinz Field anymore, but hey, new memories and whatever it's called now. Uh yeah. So, um, John, do you want to continue with the positives? I'm sure you want to talk about. You're going to be positive about it. Yeah, look, look at that. Like smirk. Hear, look at that. I would like to hear the has. negatives first, Brandon, All so right. I can. So just, discuss. I mean, quickly, I, I have the Steelers uh, finishing six and eleven. All right. Now, um, I mean, he laughs, but I think it's. I mean, you both laugh, but they do have the far, fourth hardest schedule in the league. No, I'm I'm that, laughing that, not because I think it's a joke, but I'm laughing because we just went from super positives and a yeah, no, big no, stab in the back. Because I'm always gonna bring you back to reality. Um, I mean, I have them starting the season off zero and two against the Bengals and Patriots. Then I have them winning two straight against the Browns and Jets. Then I have them losing to the Bills and Bucks back to back. Um. But I do have them finishing the season off uh, 2-0, and beating the Ravens and the Browns. Uh, listen, I love Mike Tomlin. Like you said, a, a lot of people say, if there was a coach in football that I would want to play for, it's Mike Tomlin. All right? The people went through a brick wall for him. He's a phenomenal head coach. He's one of the elite coaches in this league. And he has proven that he can win without a quarterback. I just look at it and I say, I think Pittsburgh's a year or two away from actually starting to make some noise. I do like Kenny Pickett. I like what I saw from the preseason, from the bits and pieces that I do see, that I saw. So I am starting to believe in Kenny Pickett. But again, I think it's a year or two down the line. Um, I love the, you know, T.J. Watt, Micah Fitzpatrick, and Najee Harris. I, I like that. Um, young core right there. But I, you got to wait on the quarterback. And I think once you get to – once Kenny Pickett starts to get going, I, I – have no problem and I have full faith in Mike Tomlin coaching this team up and being a playoff contender and being a playoff team basically year in and year out like they usually are that so I mean it's negative but it's what they promise in future at, at, at the end of the day yeah I think any fan would agree unless they're Steelers hater this team after moving on for from Ben Roethlisberger a hall of famer in my opinion a first ballot one that brand would disagree on there may not be a more positive outlook for this team. And I do agree with you, Brandon. They are a few years away from truly competing in the postseason because you have Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati right now is a step ahead. The same exact thing can be said with the Ravens. I think they're half a step just because Lamar is a former MVP and he's a player that's consistently got better. And he's the guy I want leading my team. He is so mature. He's only 25, but since he's come to the league, he's been the model example of what a first-round quarterback should be. Now, with the Steelers team, you talked about their young core with Minka, TJ, and Najee Harris. Fellas, it doesn't end there. The Steelers have one of the most dynamic offenses. You talk about Deontay Johnson. I say he's either a number one receiver or he's one of the best number twos in the game, akin to a Chris Godwin. Even a Mike Williams, I think he's a notch above that. And then you add in George Pickens, who I thought should have been a top 15 pick. That dude's been a stud through training camp and preseason. 
Pickens realistically could be the best receiver from this class if he can stay healthy. And part of the reason why he fell in the draft was apparently there were some character concerns. He did have moments in college getting into fights and squirting water bottles onto opponents. Generally, I thought that stuff was playful and kind of competitive and at the same time hilarious. If there's any player that's immature, I'm not saying he is, I don't know him, Mike Tomlin's a perfect guy for that. When it comes to falling in line with the standard that has been set in Pittsburgh, this team's aspirations and the foundation is so strong. I laughed when he said this is a six-win team because I look at all these young head coaches they're playing. You talk about in Miami, first-year head coach Mike McDaniel, week seven, and the following week Nick Sirianni. Then we play Dennis Allen and Todd Bowles. Brandon, I know you're not very high on Dennis Allen because of his stint with the terrible Raiders. Zach Taylor as well. We don't know if he's a good head coach. We've seen Mike McCarthy win a Super Bowl. And I think Taylor does have stuff to prove, though his team was highly successful last season. Because they didn't make the playoffs, so there's a good chance Zach Taylor would have been on the hot seat if he wasn't already. Outside of Belichick and McDermott, most of these coaches, even Matt Rule and John Harbaugh, of course, are unproven. And I think when you have Mike Tomlin, you can beat a team with more talent because this defense is well-rounded, I was talking about earlier. But the offense with George Pickens and Deontay, while having two stars in Najee Harris and Pat Frymuth going to their second season, there is a lot of versatility because you talk about speed. We had that in Calvin Austin, who's on the pup list. He's a five foot eight receiver that I think will be incorporated later on in the year. And we have size and athleticism in Chase Claypool. There's so much versatility in the way we can attack teams. One week may be Deontay, the next four weeks is maybe Najee. And then we'll have a two touchdown performance by Pat Fryermuth, while Chase Claypool has a big time performance. And I think the Steelers team can beat you in so many different ways offensively. The concern here, and it's a big concern, is the left side of the offensive line. We kind of brushed past it in our Steelers preview. I think special teams this year will be fine. We have an elite kicker in Chris Boswell, and I'm expecting Presley Harvin, who had a disappointing rookie season, to be one of the best punters in the league this year because he's looked great in camp. But Dan Moore Jr. has looked pretty terrible in preseason. It's preseason. He's basically had the left tackle job hand to him. And for a former fourth-round pick that was very up and down last year and not very reliable, I am very worried he's not going to progress this year just because there's not much competition for him to really lose that job. And I feel like it's just been handed to him. And at left guard, we have Kevin Dotson, who's a good guard when healthy. He's just literally never healthy. And when he's out, his replacement is a former third-round pick in Kendrick Green, who's just not an NFL player. He's barely six foot. He has no length. And he just gets embarrassed sometimes, the way he can lose reps. And he's one of the most unreliable backups in the league that we invested the day to pick into him. So if Dan Moore is not progressing and Kevin Dotson is injured, this offensive line is screwed. I mean, it's going to be one of the worst in football because the right side is actually fine. We add in James Daniels for three years, $27 million, or that might have been Chuck Takora for his contract. Those two guys at right guard and right tackle are fine, and I think Mason Cole at center is just going to be starter level. But ultimately, the only thing that's going to hold the Steelers' offense back is Mitch early in the season and that left side of the offensive line not protecting them the way it should. But I do think with how much talent there is here in Pittsburgh and how consistently they draft receivers and how special Najee was last year, they can overcome that to a degree. I think for many of these games, I have us beating the Patriots week two, Bengals have us losing in the first week of the season, but I can see us beating one of Tampa Bay or Buffalo because every year we beat a few teams that we aren't in the same playing field as. Last year, we would have beaten the Packers if it weren't for an offsides on a blocked punt, which Joe Hayden had that basically gave us all the momentum. And I thought if that touchdown wasn't turned back in the first half, we would have beaten Green Bay that week. And I think that was on the road as well. And then you look at New Orleans 
Indianapolis, the Falcons, down the stretch with the Panthers, Raiders, and the Browns again, I think all of those games are winnable. The Steelers every year are going to have a few snooze fests like many teams, and we may lose to a couple of bad teams like the Browns. But overall, you can't overlook the way they can beat teams and how versatile they'll be on both ends of the ball. So, just quick, what what I, I don't th- did you say what what you had their record finishing as? What what's your score? ten and seven? Ten and seven. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I think Justin had them ten and seven as well, uh, and I have them six and eleven. So yeah. Um. I think we all see the promise in this team, and uh, I, I'm just saying they're a year or two away from actually being that guy because Kenny Pickett's got to obviously you know progress, and we actually have to see him in regular season football. Um, but I do believe in him and obviously believe in Mike Tomlin. So moving on to who I think we all believe is the worst team in this division, but I think it's only because their quarterback is out. I think if he, uh, Deshaun was playing the whole season, I mean, yes, I think we'd all look at, you know, uh, Rust is going to be a problem because he's been off for about, I think, two years is coming up. Uh, so, but he's out until week 13. Uh, he's got 11 game suspension. Then they have the bye week, and he comes back uh, against Houston. So um, where I have the uh, the the um, Browns at is three and fourteen. Um, I, I like I like I just said, Deshaun's going to be gone. I, I don't really see this team competing that well. I mean, I have them beating the Jets week two, Atlanta week four. Uh, and the Texans in week uh, 13. But other than that, I have them losing all the other games. Um, but next year, I 100% expect them to be contenders. The schedule is tough, so I scoff and laughed at first. But you have losing to the Panthers. I think many people expect the Panthers and Baker to have a big time showing then. Then you got Pittsburgh week three, Atlanta. And here's where it gets tough. Chargers week five, Patriots week six. Baltimore week seven, Cincinnati week eight, you ever buy. Right after that, you come back and go to Miami. <laughs> then you go to Buffalo. Then you are home versus Tom Brady and the, Buc- Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Uh-huh. Then a game the Texans are going to get up for, certainly, is week 13 at their place. The following week, you're going to Cincinnati across the state. Yep. Week 15, you're home. Actually, I think it's to be dated. No, the time is to be dated. You're going to Baltimore, and then you have New Orleans. The Commanders are going to be fighting, I think, by Week 17 to make it as the seventh seed in the NFC. And then you have the Steelers Week 18. So this is a really tough schedule for a team last year that only won eight games. Now, I had them going 6-11 and because there are a lot of winnable games for them. Jacoby Brissett's a fine backup. I think when you look at the quality of play and the quality of coaching a lot of these opponents have, Kevin Stefanski, after winning Coach of the Year in Year 1, has a lot to prove this season. Because last year, I felt like he did a poor job Utilizing Baker Mayfield and oh, specifically really playing to his yeah, I mean I'll yeah, admit now you do now you, like, now you're on my side yeah yeah well I'm not I'm yeah. not you know saying Baker Mayfield is all oh, this and that you would I know you're a big Baker guy for all of our Browns listeners that haven't tuned in yet but I do think Kevin Stefanski this year is you know the team the defense especially is much better talk about Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward that's two stars at premium positions and I think JOK. Greg Newsom, you and I were talking about, I think, when Justin was off, Gritty Williams is a corner who was highly touted, and they're not really going to need him a whole lot. So even Grant Delpit, if he can figure it out and put it all together after missing his first season, I mean, there was a lot of upside with that defense, and the yeah. offensive line should be elite with this running game. So there is a template to be competitive. 
I actually have them beating the Chargers Week 5. That is one of those surprise wins. For teams that try to overlook the Browns next season, they're going to have, the, the like I said, the template to beat them. Running game, quality offensive line giving, Jacoby Brissett time, and then a defense that can win them several games. I just worry the receiving core after Amari Cooper, it's not very good. You know, you, you draft David Bell. I mean, I don't really think he's going to be the number two this team needs. So it does fall off a cliff after Amari. So oh, you know, Peoples, Jones. Peoples Jones is the second guy. So for me, I mean, I'm with you guys, obviously. I think the Browns are the worst team in the division. But I don't think it's they're the worst team in the division because they don't have the roster to compete. It's just because they don't have the quarterback. I While Jacoby Brissett is a fine backup, the guy's not going to get you wins where you're, you know, you're blowing the doors off of opponents. And every single game, if you're if you're in position to win, they're going to be tight. They're going to be tight games. So I don't see the Browns winning a game till Deshaun Watson actually comes back. Wait, you whoa. have them starting 0-11? Yeah. I'm ser- <sighs> I have them winning five games. Damn. I, I have- thought I was I thought I was gonna be the lowest one on them a six. Six wins. No, it's I, well. I have. I have I'm them. the lowest. I'm the lowest. But, yeah, but yeah, you, have them, you have them losing. Wait, no, I'm Vegas. wrong. I had them winning seven games. I thought I had them at six wins. Yeah, so I had Justin, them going seven. Yeah, at seven. Justin, yeah. you have them losing to the New York Jets and Atlanta. Yep. I, I've told you guys I'm high on Atlanta. Uh, not high, high, but I'm higher than the Panthers. Just, just that's our bet. So I got to point that out there. But yeah, I have the I have the Jets winning. I have the Falcons winning. So if there's winnable games there before that week 13 matchup against the Texans, it's only the Jets and it's the Falcons. Those are the only two games. Yeah. There's not another one on the schedule that I'm like, yo, this team's going to ball out against them. No, I don't see it. I really believe that when Deshaun Watson gets back into the fold, I think they're going into Houston and they're beating Houston. Oh yeah. I think he's going to break I think he's going I think he's coming back and he he's playing with fire, and he's going to be the Deshaun Watson that we expect him to, expect to see. I have them losing to the Bengals, and then I have them winning out the rest of the way. I have them beating the Baltimore Ravens. I have them beating the Saints. I have them beating the Commanders. I have them beating the Steelers in the last week of the season. I think if Deshaun Watson was in this division, we'd be talking about this division the same way we're talking about the West. Oh, yeah. I was just about to say, next year, I think, the AFC West and AFC North are going to be competing as the best divisions in football. And that AFC is going to be even more stacked because now you, now the Browns are legit contenders with Deshaun Watson. Kenny Pickett is now a year into his progression and uh, going into his second year. Lamar in Baltimore is still there. And obviously the Bengals. Well, we're not sure yet. (laughs) It could be in Miami. They'll get it done. They'll get it done. I I do think Lamar stays, but yes, I I understand your point. Um, So, does anybody have anything else to say on the AFC North, or you guys want to move on to? Can we uh, just go through our standings again? Record? Oh yeah. So for me, I have the uh, AFC North. I have the Bengals at thirteen and four, finishing number one in the AFC. Uh, the Ravens at ten and seven, missing the playoffs. The Steelers at six and eleven, and the Browns at three and fourteen. I got the Bengals at twelve and five, winning the division. I got the Ravens also finishing twelve and five, finishing second. Steelers third at ten and seven, and then the Browns five and twelve. I had the Bengals going twelve and five, Ravens eleven and six, Steelers ten and seven, and the Browns at seven and ten. For Cleveland, this reminds me a ton of when the Colts built a better team around Andrew Luck, and then he retired in twenty nineteen. That Jacoby Brissett season, where he was getting paid I think twenty seven million dollars as their starter, oh. and the team like they had a decent running game of Marlon Mack, 
that was kind of his coming out party, I think the second year of it. Mm-hmm. And the team was halfway decent, but with Brissett, they weren't anything special and certainly not a playoff team. So for the yeah, Browns, they, they low key, the, the Colts low key fleeced us on that deal when we got um, freaking Philip Dorsett for Jacoby Brissett. I mean, that's just. But also, we gave up Jimmy Garoppolo for a second-round pick. So, well, they they paid um, Brissett out the wazoo, so I don't know if yeah. they really won either. Um, so now let's move on to uh, me and Justin's division, the AFC East, right? So quickly, um, I have the Bills and Patriots um, tying um, record-wise. I have them both finishing twelve and five. Oh um, so with the Patriots, that's, the Patriots, that's crazy. Whoa. That's fine. Um, I mean, I guess I guess oh you guys don't goodness. remember last year that they were one game off from time. No, no, the, the, the reason I say that is that, like, when I was going through this trying to make, uh, the, you know, the records, I was struggling to find 10 wins for – I was struggling to find eight for the Patriots. Yeah, that's that's okay. I, mean, I got two questions real quick. Brandon, did the right. Bills get better this offseason? Yes or no? Eh. They get Tredavious White healthy and Von Miller on the edge. Yeah, but Von Miller, again, that? and one thing I was going to say on Von Miller is, do we is Von Miller going to live up to his contract? Because he was washed in his last year in Denver, and then when he went to the Rams. But when he went to the Rams, bought, we saw yeah, the resurgence. Again, you could say the resurgence, but he had Aaron freaking Donald there. So it's kind of easy when Aaron Donald's getting doubled and triple teamed for you to take advantage of a one-on-one matchup. Now he's the number one guy in Buffalo. You, you're getting paid a hundred plus million, and I know it's a lot of incentives, but you're getting paid a lot of money, and they have an out, I think, in year two or three. But again, is Von Miller going to live up to his contract? I, I don't know. You don't have Aaron Donald next to you anymore, so let's see what you got. Um, I, I, I'm going to say this again. I think they're overhyped, and I think they're overrated. They have no run game whatsoever. Um, they don't even call run plays. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it again, I'm not a believer in Josh Allen. And I can get laughed at or smirked at, but by the end of his career, I'm going to be the one laughing last because his career is not going to end up being that long. And I'm, I don't like saying that, but when you play the style of football that he plays, you're playing with fire. You're like the little kid at five or six years old, and your mom or dad tells you, don't touch the stove after I just took something off and it's hot. And guess what? You keep getting closer and closer and closer, and then eventually you touch it, you turn to your parent and you start crying and they say well you're stupid why'd you touch it? i told you not to touch it and that's what he does with the running game so i have he's the only reason they have a running game because teams can't stack the box okay yep um so on the patriots i'm going full in in bill i trust and i think that's for everybody who's a patriots fan and looks at the patriots in a positive way this year you believe in bill to figure this out this defense will be top 10 you can, you can book that. Bill Belichick is going to figure out and find a way to, to make this a top 10 defense. I believe Mac takes progressions forward. Um, the offense, I believe, will be fine. The running game is very good. Our O-line is pretty damn good. Our receiving core, while not with top-end high talent, yes, but deep with solid players. Um, and the tight I would end, hope it's deep with how much money they're paying to Johnny Smith, Hunter Henry, Devontae Parker, Nenza, uh, Nenzel, Nelson Aguilar, and uh, Kendrick Bourne. It's yeah. a whole lot of mid. Uh, uh, okay. Um, so with the tight ends, uh, again, a lot of money getting put in, and I believe that they are going to be used the right way this year, which is a two tight end set. 
and being used together a lot more, which they were not used last year. So I believe, again, I believe Mac progresses. I believe this offense is going to be just fine. Um, and in Bill, I trust. So I have the Patriots finishing 12 and five and I have the Bills finishing 12 and five. I do have the Bills and Patriots splitting again. I have them going one and one. I have the Patriots sweeping the Jets. I have the Patriots sweeping Miami and I have the Bills uh, sweeping the Jets. And I think I have them sweeping Miami, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and I have the Bills sweeping Miami. So those are my top two teams in that division. If you guys want to go and then we'll talk about the Dolphins and Jets. All right. So for me, obviously, it's been said countless of times how much I love Josh Allen. I've been a big fan of him since he was a rookie and I have him. I have Buffalo Bills finishing as not only the top team in the AFC, but the top team in the NFL. I think they're going to finish 14 and three best record in the league. I think they're going to roll. I mean, let's take a look at their schedule and you tell me games that you actually see them losing outside of the one that I, I, I threw the flyer out there with the Pittsburgh Steelers upsetting them at home. Outside of that, the Rams game is up in the air. You can go anywhere with it, but I think Josh Allen is so battle-tested. He's been battle-tested against Kansas City. He's primed to go into L.A. There's no weather in the way. You're playing in a beautiful, comfortable, AC-packed stadium. He's going to be fine. Um, week two against Tennessee, Buffalo. Week three at Miami, that's, that's another tough one, but I'm going Buffalo. Week four against Baltimore, I got Buffalo. They got some tough matchups this year. Early in the season, especially. Yeah. This is where the Josh Allen MVP chatter is going to start. Yep. They start off five and two or six and one. Well, see, here's, the the, here's the thing. Sorry to cut you off, John, but here's the thing. I have them starting off, um, let's see, in their fir- uh, up until the bye week, which is week seven, I have them being four and two. I have them losing to Rams week one. I have them losing to the Chiefs week six but I have them beating the Titans, Miami, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh. The losses I have for them are the Bengals, week 17. Yeah. I have them losing to Green Bay. Yeah. And week eight. Fair. And then I have them losing to Pittsburgh. So you have them beating the Ooh. Chiefs and the Rams. Yes, sir. And you I think they sweep New England. Yes. I, I hate to say that. As a Patriot fan, I do. But I don't I'm, I'm think it's about a Patriots fan. I just think that you're – overlooking again the master strategist of bill belichick being able to get one game off of the buffalo bills i I don't i don't i don't think i'm overlooking anything i feel like that playoff game spoke volumes to me no it It spoke a ton of volumes to me where i saw our defense going we lost a lot this offseason and you know what and i'm and i've said it before i'm a big believer in, in bill we trust i'm a big believer in that i don't think that we're gonna have a below 500 season if that happens then you can call Call nine one one because then chaos is happening. I think we'll finish nine and eight, but our offensive system right now—who the hell's our offensive coordinator? Kind of worries me. It does kind of worry me that Matt Patricia and Joe Judge might be calling the shots there. That's kind of concerning because for for years we've had sustainability, we've had consistency, we've had McDaniel's there for years, and even though a lot of people were ungrateful for him and crapped on his scheme over and over again, the scheme kind of worked. We won a yeah, couple but, Super Bowls with it. I mean, again, that was with Tom Brady. Yeah, he, he's Tom definitely Brady. very disrespected. And yeah, you're right. He had Tom Brady. But since then, we've been competitive. We That's just haven't I'm had saying. the so right Mike, quarterback if we, play. If we, if, 
I'm not mistaken, when we had Cam Newton, I think we split with the Bills too, right? We want one and one, if I'm not mistaken. I, I just, I, I don't know. But you got that's your guys to go ahead, John. First off, losing Josh McDaniels is negative when you're replacing him with who knows. And for Mac Jones, while well, this team has the running game, and I'm really excited to see what Ramondre Stevenson can do, along with Pierre Strong coming in. I think he could be a three-down back for all we know. And you got Damian Harris, who's probably last year at the team, you guys would say. They're going to run him into the ground, probably, and let him go. Yeah, probably. Outside that running game, it's pretty sad how they're guaranteeing. Let's go over it. $50 million to Johnny Smith. I think Hunter Henry's good, $38 million. Then Devontae Parker, he's not a number one receiver by any stretch of the imagination. Right. And last John, year wasn't healthy. John, I know you're gonna. I know the list. You went down there before, and I think everybody knows the list. But again, I want people to understand why Bill Belichick splurged in that offseason and why he gave. It was all that like the best player, the best offensive players in that free agency class are the ones that he got. Like there wasn't a. That doesn't make it okay. The Jaguars did that with Christian. Everybody Kirk. does that in free agency. He. This is the one time he splurged. Everybody does it. You're gonna nod your head. It doesn't make it okay. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm just saying that. I don't agree with the Nelson Aguilar deal. That's the one that I say no. But Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith have Pro Bowl caliber upside. Kendrick Bourne, like I've said, is a playmaker. While he's not a number one, he's a guy on your team that if you put the ball in his hands, he will make a play for you. Devontae Parker, again, I'm not big on, but he can make a 50-50 catch. Jacoby Myers, who I'm not the biggest fan. He's going to have to be able to make a 50-50 catch. He's a possessions receiver, and he's going to get you those 10 yards and chug along. Again, but go go ahead, continue. My worry is that these receivers can't actually separate at a level that is necessary in a division that has Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, and even the Jets have invested so much to pair up Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore. There is so much just dynamicism and all those players and the Patriots have none of it. And the way the league is trending, we'll see what Tyquan Thornton is their second round pick. If well, he can take the top. For, of, he's out for like eight weeks. So yeah, it's half the, he's on the IR, right? I yeah, assume. Yeah. So he's not even going to be available for them to start the season, which means we're probably going to see more Aguilar. I just am bored by this offense because there's nothing that could really change a game. I think Mac Jones has the offensive line in the running game. And that's really it. He has to work a ton this year. When it comes to man coverage, I think he's going to have a really tough time. And when you look at Josh Allen, who did he changes games in so many different ways to the Buffalo Bills. The way he, they're losing Brian Dable, but I feel like Dable's teachings have been instilled in Allen to a level where we don't have to worry about him losing one of the, the best offensive coordinators. With Mac Jones, he's just going into his second season, and I don't think there are those playmakers that any team needs in the NFL. So what's your record? Oh, oh, John or me? Uh, both of oh, you guys. Where you have New England finishing at? Seven and ten. Uh, um, yeah. So I, like I said, twelve and five. Twelve and five. Uh, quickly on the Dolphins and Jets. With the Dolphins, I, I just rookie head coach. He's unproven in this league. You got an injury-prone quarterback who I'm not a big believer in. Uh, you got a tough schedule to start and finish. I have them finishing seven and ten. Um, and then the New York Jets. I, I mean, I don't believe they have enough. I don't think Wilson is ready. They have the sixth hardest schedule in the NFL. I have them finishing one and 16. That's crazy. How on earth did the Jets have a sixth hardest schedule in the league? I mean, so, what's, so, for, so for me, uh, I had the Bills going 13 and four, 
Miami nine and eight. Patriots, like I said, winning seven games, and then the Jets winning five. I have the Bills fourteen and three. I have the Miami Dolphins winning eleven games this year. I'm, I'm Let's talk I, about them all around. Yeah, time. might yeah, as well. Yeah. So I'm high on the tool train. I, I love Mike McDaniel getting in there. I love the addition of Tyreek Hill. I think Jalen Waddle is an absolute stud. I think their offense is going to be lightning. They're going to be quick. They're going to be fast. I think Tua gets a lot of slack, and I even laughed at the videos of him throwing a Tyreek Hill. But after all, that's all it is. It's just videos. Now let's see it in the game. Uh, going through their schedule, New England always has a tough time beating them at home. So I got them winning in Miami. Uh, have them losing to Baltimore, losing to Buffalo. But I think they can beat teams like Cincinnati. They can beat up on the Jets. They can beat a Minnesota. They can beat a Pittsburgh. I think what people seem to forget is at that end of the season, home games in Miami are tough on some teams, man. We've seen it time and time again when New England rolls into Miami at the end of the season and boom, you get surprised. And I could see that happening to a lot of teams. I could see Green Bay losing to Miami. I can see the Chargers even possibly losing to them. They'll surprise you. I think they have a good core. I think they're building something really special there. And really, it's a big make it or break it year for Tua. You want to see what he has. And much like Josh Allen, after his first two years, they surrounded him with a number one wide receiver. And then his stock rose dramatically. So I'm hoping to see the same thing out of Tua as a football fan. As a Patriot fan, no. As a football fan, I, I really want to see this because it's about time. Miami, they, they've always been mid, you know? Now I feel like it's, it's their opportunity to take that next step and compete with the top dogs. But unfortunately, while I have them winning 11 games, I still don't find it to be enough to make a playoff because of the Wild Wild West and the AFC. Yeah, I had the missing as well. You said you feel like they're the definition of average. Quite honestly, I would say I feel like they're the definition of below average. Just consistently like six to nine wins, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like this is the year where they remind me a good deal of the 2019 49ers because Tua reminds me a ton of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's not to take anything away from him because Jimmy's a coach or a player that is a starter. He deserves a shot to stay in the NFL for years. And I think Tua his accuracy, his ball placement, a lot of those things. And even at times, I mean, he can make just consistently good decisions for the most part. I think he will be a starter in the NFL. That being said, there are so many plays last year in the turnover plays that really did not help his case at all. And there's very bad moments with him where he isn't what the Dolphins need him to be, which is taking over a game. So he reminds me of Jimmy Garoppolo. But with that being said, the offense, they're trying to build the O-line. They, of course... Signed Teron Armstead, uh, left tackle from the Saints. And they're gearing toward also from the Cowboys. They got the, the right tackle. Um, his name's blanking. They're trying to build the old line, but it's just not there yet. And I do worry Tua's blind side, which isn't the left tackle, that's just not going to be good enough either this year where the old line's still a below average one. And... I'm just really worried that the O-line won't be good enough with all the talent that they have in Tyreek and all of his big play potential. Um, so I do think there's limitations with this offense, but I think there's no team in the league that they can't beat in many games because Tyreek and Jalen Waddle together as a top three receiver duo. And the defense as well, I'm expecting big things from Javon Holland. I'm excited to see how, after losing Brian Flores, they can progress or more likely regress in 2022. But ultimately... As we all know, 
what will allow this team to make the playoffs is how well Tua performs. I think he will put up good numbers, let's say 4,000 yards and 27 touchdowns. But in big-time games where you're down and you need him to take over, I don't think he will be able to do that enough in a timely manner. Yeah, um, no, I have no, not much more to say. I said my pieces on the AFC East. Do you guys, guys got any more to say on the AFC East? Or? We didn't touch on the Jets. I mean, I, I just gave my – I just said they don't have enough. I don't believe Wilson is ready yet. And six hardest schedule in the league, I haven't finishing one in 16. So, if you guys have any shockers that they're, like, you know, but. Yeah, it's it's tough for me, too. I, I mean, I do feel like they had an excellent draft, and then we'll see shine – we'll see moments of uh, potential in the Jets. But overall, I, I don't see them going anywhere. I have them winning four games. And it's kind of the same song and dance with the Jets. Is Zach Wilson the guy? And he'll be missing a little bit of time in the beginning of the year. I don't know if it's just one week or maybe multiple. But I think the Jets offense has a lot of questions. And it all starts with the guy under center because they have the weapons outside. They have a talented running back now, too. Some weapons on defense. But it's is the quarterback there to take you to the next step? I do think the old lines have a lot better for them, too, this year. We'll see what Dwayne Brown is at 35. By the way, before, the name I was blanking on is Connor Williams. Oh, at least listed at center right now. Um, but you add in Dwayne Brown with Lincoln Tomlinson and then AVT as well at guard. The Jets are building a pretty good old line. I'm not as concerned with Zach Wilson. I think the talent is there and he's going to produce. I don't have a whole lot of questions about that. I'm fascinated to see what Sauce Garner does this season because I've seen a lot of him – and I do see a lot of shutdown potential where quarterbacks aren't even going to look his way. And they have a healthy Carl Lawson. That defense should be good. Last year, for the better part of the season, it was the worst in the NFL. But the Jets, man, I'm telling you, Robert Sala was one of the best defensive coordinators. And we've seen after he left the 49ers defense get better with the new rising head coach over there. So Robert Sala, I think, is the one who has a lot to prove with that other end of the ball. My concern isn't as much on the quarterback because I think Joe Douglas has the guy there. Only time will tell. Only time will tell. But real quick before we switch off, uh, Brandon, I, I know we were talking about the Patriots. So I was iffy about one game that I have him at nine and eight. I was questioning the game against the Colts because I feel like that's a very winnable game. It's at home. And I know Belichick is out scheme anybody, but I don't know. That's that was my toss up. I ultimately went with the Colts, but I had them initially. I found ten wins there, and I was just juggling between whether or not they could pull that one out. I have them losing that game. Okay. Um, but speaking of the Colts, we're moving on to the AFC South. So perfect transition, Dustin. Um, and they're the number one team in that division. I think we all can agree on that. Um, they found their quarterback. Uh. This is I, I said about the Broncos, they're supposedly a QB away. I believe we can all agree in the consensus is the Colts were a QB away. And now they have found their QB and Matt Ryan, who we're all hoping that father time does not affect him. I think we're all getting spoiled with Aaron Rodgers playing at an elite level, Drew Brees before the injuries really started to take his toll, and Tom Brady obviously late in his career. We do still have to look at concerns of, uh, I think he's 38 now. Uh, we still have to look at concerns, and father time does affect basically the whole field of the quarterbacks except for the elite few. Um, but I do think Matt Ryan is going to perform at a, a high level still this year. Um, 
You know, they still got Jonathan Taylor, who's arguably the best running back in, in, in football. Uh, Quentin Nelson, the, I think the best offensive lineman in football. Darius Leonard, a uh, linebacker who's just insanely nasty. Uh, they signed Stephon Gilmore, who really showed something that he still got some fight left in him uh, in his uh, few games in Carolina last year. I love Frank Reich. I think he's doing wonderful things in uh, Indianapolis. And I, I just hate that his basically his couple, his years so far have been riddled with not having the quarterback to go with. Uh, it sucks. He, if him and if he had Andrew Luck, this team would be up there as the top two or best team in, in the AFC, maybe in football. And they have the fourth easiest schedule in, in the NFL. I mean, that, that's going to be a major factor. Uh, I have them finishing 12 and 5. If anybody wants to. 12 and 5. I got the Colts at 13 and 4. I'm, I'm with you, man. There's really, I put them in my top five rankings as best teams in the league, uh, simply because there's not too many holes on this team. They would, like you said, they were a quarterback away and they found their guy. And now it's just a matter of, like you said, father time. Is he going to be healthy enough? Is he going to decline? Is he going to be just good enough for, for the Colts to take that next step? All you got to do is be, what, 10% better than Carson Wentz to get this team to another level because Carson Wentz threw them into so many losses. Yeah, They have a guy that won't do that. So I, I'm a big believer in the Colts. I have them finishing 13 and four, second team in the AFC. I had them winning 11 games. And to set the record on Wentz, a lot of people have been looking at the numbers and saying, oh, 27 touchdowns, seven interceptions. The start of last season, most Colts fans were optimistic because he was good. And if you look at the production, he was really good. He was playing at the level of a Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins. It was really those last six weeks. And you guys saw it in that New England game where the dude basically, like, they couldn't use him. They had to lean heavily on Jonathan Taylor, as most teams should with the Offensive Player of the Year. My, uh, my, what fascinates me about the Colts is last year they saw Michael Pittman break out. Do you guys think he's a number one receiver or it is an elite number two? I think that he's going to have a huge season with Matt Ryan. I say an elite number two. I just think they have a lot of good, good weapons, nothing on the outside that's going to blow you away, but they're, they're good. Between Alec Pierce, the bigger receiver at Cincinnati and Paris Campbell, who's flashed a good amount of potential and healthy, can they find a number two to support him? I, I, don't, I really don't know. I can't say much about Paris Campbell because we really don't see him on the field at all. Ever. So yeah, for that's, me to, the, yeah, for, <laughs> that's the one weakness in Indianapolis is the receiving core. If you were going to point to something, it's the receiving core. But I do think Michael Pittman, I mean, you saw the year he had with Carson Wentz. I think Matt Ryan's going to make him that much better. Um, the thing with Campbell. Go ahead. Rashad Penny was another player, a first-round pick, who was never healthy his first three seasons. And then last year, he got a good string of luck, and he led the NFL in yards a carry. So I always hold that hope because Bunny Paris, in a limited time, has played. He's looked pretty promising. Now, for the Colts and Michael Pittman's pending breakout, I don't see it because Matt Ryan in the red zone just is not very good, and he doesn't throw a whole lot of touchdowns, especially we saw last year with Kyle Pitts only had one TD. And Julio Jones in his prime, he wasn't catching many, or six or seven. I don't think Pim will score more touchdowns. Maybe he has more targets. I would expect that's a, a reasonable possibility if he can play every single game. But what really is interesting is if this offensive line also can be, be better this year. Because last year they were banged up. Quentin Nelson uh, wasn't healthy for the entire year. Ryan Kelly, he lost his baby as well, and he wasn't the same last year either. So uh, prayers up to him and his family. Brian Smith is a very solid right tackle. 
I'm looking to see if this offense line can be better because JT had a fantastic year last year, but there was that extra gear and, and pass protection where I felt like they could have been much better given the, the resume. You know, if you're a great offensive lineman at 23 years old, you can fall off and you're still going to have that reputation if you're a pro bowler years ago. Now, I'm not saying these guys have fallen off because they haven't. I just want to see them get back on track and not regress a little further in 2022. Now, this defense Brandon and Gus Bradley, I'm also very excited for. Quiddy Pay, Yannick Nagakwe, I can barely pronounce his name, uh, from the Raiders, and Shaq Leonard, he changed his first name. The other thing that really interests me is Nick Cross is going to come in as a rookie and start, and I want to see if Stephon Gilmore really does have more left in the tank. Yeah, absolutely burnt to crisp by Michael Pittman in a recent practice, and the clip went viral. I don't know if you guys saw it. It was pretty I, bad. Yeah, I, I think Pittman hit him on my little fake dig. And then went up for a fade. And it was pretty cold. Um, so I'm interested how good will his secondary be with Kenny Moore. He's a big-time playmaker and a pro bowler. Uh, can he be that number one? I think he can. He also gets a lot of big-time plays. So we'll see. I think the defense will be top five. Offense is really all based off of how big-time Matt Ryan is. And I think for him to get an offensive line, there's a lot of reason to be excited but there is a little bit of an extra gear where I feel like he's more toward the 15th best quarterback. He's more toward a Dak Prescott or a Kirk Cousins than he is uh, Patrick Mahomes or even a Russell Wilson. Yeah. Well, if, um, if, if you're going right. into – my bad, B. If you're, about, real quick, if you're going into the season expecting Matt Ryan to put up numbers like he's Pat Mahomes or, or Josh Allen, then you're, you're delusional. Uh, I know that's not what you're saying, so not you hinting at him doing that, but – that's nuts. That's not happening. You know, if I mean, if we rewinded maybe five, six years, he could probably. How I long ago was that Super Bowl? 2016. If we Long-time rewinded ago. back then when he's an MVP candidate, sure. But I mean, he could put up solid numbers. Like you're right. Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott. Why not? Yeah, I think I think he can easily put up over 4,000 yards. I think he's done that still in his uh, in the past couple of years. Last year was the first time he didn't since 2011. And he was, here's the thing, he was 32 yards shy. So. Yeah. Um, I think he could get to 4,000 yards, though. I think he can throw 30 touchdowns. He'll probably have anywhere from, like, 11 to 14 interceptions, 65% completion percentage. That's a pretty damn good year. Um, but, yeah, moving on to uh, uh, the second team that I think me and Justin – well, I don't think he's we the one know. Talking, but We know. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, quick hit on them for me. So disrespectful. Um, uh, Urban Myers out. Dougie P's in. Uh, I'm a T-Law guy. I'm a Trevor Lawrence believer. I wanted the Patriots to tank to get him. I think this guy's going to be legit um, for years to come. And they've got a ton, and I mean a ton, of young talent on the O-line, D-line, and, and basically everywhere. Um, I, I look for basically the one word that comes to mind with the Jaguars is progression. That's all I want to see is to progress, and I think they will. I have them finishing 7-10. and 10. Go ahead, Mr. Jaggy, Jaggy, Jaguar guy. <laughs> Guys, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm big on these Jaguars, man. I love them. I, like Brandon, I have them winning seven, six or seven games. I have them at six right now. There were some toss-ups there where you're like, uh, they might squeeze one out. I think that they're going to put up points this year. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have an awesome year, especially coming off of that terrible rookie season. But now that he has a guy like Doug Peterson in the fold, he has Christian Kirk. He has ETN coming back. I think they have a very good run game when you pair up James Robinson and ETN. Mm-hmm. 
I think the upside there, I mean, let me not say they have a very good run game because we haven't seen what ETN could be in the NFL yet, but the potential is there. The potential is there to, to have a very strong backfield. Um, they just traded Chanel, if I'm not mistaken. So they, they lose one receiver, but I think T law, he's, he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league in, in, in a couple of years. And I think right now, this is the year that we start to see that growth. I, I, they're going to be so much better. No Urban Meyer in the fold. I'm high on the Jags train. Let me see if I could pull up their schedule real, real quick. I have them, just to say quickly, I have them finishing the year off 3-0. Uh, and uh, I have them beating the Jets, Texans, and Titans to end the, end the year. I have, I have them losing to the Jets at home. But I, I do think they beat the Texans. I do think they beat the Titans. Um, I even see them beating the Colts once this year. Yeah, it's reasonable. They do that every other year. Oh. I think there's a stat um, that the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since like 2015 or something. So yeah. I, have them, I have them beating the Colts week two. That Northern Florida heat's too much for them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, LaVisca Chanel, I almost completely forgot that he was traded to the Panthers for a seventh and a sixth round pick the following year in 2024. Look, I love Trevor Lawrence, and I think he has the potential of a Justin Herbert. Those guys that are six foot six have the throwing power, the arm accuracy. And also the decisiveness and the maturity as well. Not not only as you know, a pure decision maker, but as a leader, a guy that's going to kind of galvanize your troops, especially a younger team. He reminds me so much of Justin Herbert. Now, Herbert was able to overcome a lot in his rookie season working with Pep Hamilton. I'm not necessarily sure with uh, Press Taylor and Doug Peterson if he has necessary support talking about Trevor and Jacksonville that Herbert had. So I am very concerned this schedule this year. I don't see him starting off 3-0. I mean, the Chargers on the road at 4 o'clock, I just think that Chargers team has improved so much. And the pass rush itself, you add in Brandon Scherf from the Commanders, but the rest of the offensive line is pretty poor. And I think you have a lot of two dynamic running backs in ETN and James Robinson, but I don't see the running game really being there. And this team does not have number one or anything close to it. I think Kirk's fine. He's overpaid. And I think it was a little bit ridiculous the spending spree they had for agency, as anyone should think, because... This is the Jaguars. I think this franchise has continued to show they are inept. I really have no faith in them whatsoever building around Trevor for as special a talent as he is. I feel like in six to seven years, we're going to be looking at him as a top six quarterback, running that two with Allen, Mahomes, maybe a little bit lower, and Herbert. And still, the Jaguars won't even be the best team in the division. I have way more faith in the Colts and the Titans as well. And I think you guys are massively overwriting the former coach of the year and Kane Henry in Tennessee. But with all that being said, there's a lot of upside with his defense. If Trayvon Walker can develop as a pass rusher, and Josh Allen can live up to expectations after a disappointing last two seasons, and at the same time, Kayvon Chason, he's been a, mostly a bust. They've invested a grand amount of capital into the outside linebackers and the interior. But I mean, the defense okay. still is not very good or good enough to win them games, I think, just yet, while I do think it's a little bit underrated. Uh, one more thing on the Jaguars, though. I, I think I've heard everybody's basically say that Kirk's the number one. I, I don't believe that. I think Marvin Jones Jr. is better than Christian Kirk, and I think he's going to be the number one. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to realize that in the coming weeks of the regular se- uh, start of the regular season that he's the guy you can trust more. Um, he's a veteran. He's experienced. He's been a quote-unquote number one like he's not number one talent but he's been in the position as the number one receiver 
You never um, mentioned him when he's playing Stafford getting 1,100 yards and leading the NFL yeah, in yards per reception. That's, that's what I'm saying. So this guy, he, he gets underrated. I, I think a lot of people look at Christian Kirk because they signed him and paid him all that money, but I think Marvin Jones is better and he's going to be the number one. Uh, but on the Titans and what you said, again, I'm not disrespecting um, Mike Vrabel. I love Mike Vrabel. That's one thing I wrote down about them, that I love Mike Vrabel. That's my basic positive of this and, and Derrick Henry, but he's coming off an injury, so we have to see how he's going to uh, play. My thing is, Julio and A.J. Brown are gone. He brought in Robert Woods. He's coming off a torn ACL, though. I don't believe in Ryan Tannehill. I think he's a fraud, and I think everybody realizes that now. That, that him He's and, an average quarterback. It, him he's and the fine. MVP consideration was laughable. Um, he had MVP consideration? I, yeah, when he was, uh, I think he was like 37 touchdowns or something that one year that he, uh, I forget, two in years Miami? ago. He, no, no, in Tennessee, he he was like in the MVP uh, consideration. He was like top four, top five. Was it like Ben Roethlisberger in 2020 when the Steelers got to an 11 0 start? Maybe. I, I don't he know. He won't come back player of the year in 2019. He completed 70% of his passes. Yeah, but yeah in, in 2020. Yeah. Yeah. 33 or no, I'm, I'm looking at 2019. Yeah. yeah. But, but that's besides the point. The, the main thing for the Titans is that I just see regression. I don't see progression. I see them taking a step back. I have them finishing at 6 and 11 this year. So one game under the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Damn, you're nice. <laughs> I'm well, not. Again, I believe in Mike Vrabel and I like Derrick Henry, but uh, I'm I'm a big believer in Mike Vrabel. I love him a lot, but I just think when you're feeding me a receiving core of Traylon Burks, who is an unknown commodity, we don't know what he's going to be like. Des Fitzpatrick, Josh Gordon's now there. Cody Hollister, Mason Kinsey. Gracie McMath, and then you got Robert Woods there too. I mean, going from what Ryan Tannehill had before to now, I just don't look at it and I'm like, this guy's going to make them better. I feel like we've seen Ryan Tannehill play very quality quarterback. He was, he's been a quality quarterback. That's the best I can put it. He's been quality. But when you take away and you strip away his best weapon on the outside, side at the same time too you lose aj brown julio jones hopefully derrick henry's healthy for the whole season um because he can turn some heads but if god forbid derrick henry goes down what is this team well last year the russian attack in terms of efficiency it didn't drop off it actually improved with dante foreman and hillard i honestly think the receiving core is a little bit underrated and hear me out A.J. Brown is very underrated in some aspects. I have him as number nine receiver in the NFL. The dude is an absolute stud. But last year in his absence, we saw the emergence of Nick Westbrook-Akini, who was pretty good for them on third down. And he also had in Kyle Phillips, a fourth-year receiver or a four-year starter at UCLA. I think he's going to be a big-time weapon in the, slot for, slot, in the slot for them. Between those two receivers and Robert Woods, who was an 1000 yard receiver back-to-back seasons two years ago, and Traylon Burks, who does mock out to be a similar type of player to A.J. Brown, there is a lot of versatility in the receiving core. And I do think there is some depth there, though I do totally agree. You lose A.J. Brown, you get worse as a team. I had the Titans winning seven games. I think with Derrick Henry, they're going to continue showing teams, you know, this is, while they're not going to be a playoff team next year, a team you can't overlook. Because if you do, Henry's going to go off for 200 yards. The offense line, no, it's not good. But this is the best running back in the NFL, and he is a game changer. Even if last year they were more efficient with him, the game plan when you have Derrick Henry on the opposing team is going to completely shift, and I think that will help Ryan Tannehill with a healthy King Henry. 
And I do want to say real quick, losing Harold Landry for the season for a torn ACL as well was just a crushing blow for this team because you're going to hope you could hang your hat on that defense. And now you lose one of the two best players in that unit. That as well is just another strong hit to the stomach. Yeah. Uh, last thing on the Titans, and then I, I really don't want to spend too much time on the Texans because there's really not much to talk about. Um, but the Titans, I, I, I think do there have, is. Uh, there, there's, I, I really hope you don't take a lot of time, John. Like, but um, so with the Titans, I just want to say I do have them splitting with the Jaguars and Colts, but I have them uh, sweeping the Texans. Actually, so on the Texans, I, I, I literally just wrote simply the worst team in the NFL, number one pick down. I have them finishing 0-17. They're not – okay, you're out of your mind. The Bears are the worst team in football, in my opinion. Okay. That is way too – the Texans are not a good team, but they're not that bad, dude. If you have to say they're not that bad, they are that bad. I have them finishing 2-15. and 15. I had the Texans win as many games as the Jaguars. I had them both finishing 5-12 and 12 with the Titans at 7-10. and 10. You're just overlooking everything this team's building. I think Damian Pierce this year, you're looking at me funny. Out of Florida, he was heavily underutilized. I think this year, they let go of Marlon Mack. I think there was a reason to that. Damian Pierce blew him out in training camp. And I'm really excited to see what they can do this year with one of the best tackles in the game, Laramie Tunsil, being healthy. And then to that defense, you add in Derek Stinley. The Texans are building one of the better defenses in the NFL, and I think that's going to help them win multiple games this year because Davis Mills last year was the second-best rookie quarterback after Mac Jones. He almost beat Mac Jones, and you're sleeping heavily. I can see that. I think Jalen Petrie as well, with Derrick Henry, is going to make for a very exciting young secondary. I think there's a lot to look forward to with this team. And Brennan Cooks as well, man. That's a number one receiver. I think he's so underrated in many ways. A three-level guy that can take the top over a defense. And you saw New England, dude. He was one of Tom Brady's favorite weapons, man. I mean, the Pats, I don't think, are that much better than the Texans, truth be told. I think the only difference between those two teams is Bill Belichick. You look on paper, I think they're very similar rosters. New England does not have a good team on paper. I'm not not even going to dignify with that uh, with a response. I'll just say that Houston Houston should freaking cry and you get the freaking mayor and give you a key to them because you're the biggest bandwagon. You add in Jerry Hughes and Stephen Nelson as well. Proven veterans that can help you win games. The Texans are going to be competitive this year, and that's what this franchise is. Can we talk about teams that actually matter now? You don't. I understand you don't like the Texans for some strange reason. Because they suck, and I don't mind myself with mediocrity. I don't. But last year we mediocrity. said this with them, and they won multiple games. They won three games, and they've gotten better. <laughs> three games. Okay. I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm. I'm done talking. I think. Right. I think you're just overlooking a team you haven't watched. I do think this year they're going yes, to. Yes. Okay. Fine. You want to call me? Yeah. I don't watch. I made a mistake. They won four games last year. The same oh, amount that they won. Wow. That's the same amount they won with Deshaun Watson. They won just as many games with Watson as they did without him. Wow. So are you going to make the argument Davis Mills is just as good as Deshaun Watson? So then that argument makes no sense. Let's move on to teams that actually matter. The NFC South. Okay, let's move on to the NFC. All right, so for this this division, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I have them finishing number one in the division. Um, I have them tying with the Rams, actually, as uh, the top two teams in the NFC. Uh, I have them finishing 14-3. and Uh, they got the GOAT. When you got the GOAT, I never bet against you. You still got Mike Evans. Godwin's coming off an injury, but they did add Julio, who I think is going to have an impact year with Tom Brady. Uh, you still got uh, Shaquille Barrett and, um, uh, Devin White and Antoine Winfield Jr. and Vita Vea on the defense. And I think that's just going to, uh, 
few wonders. And Todd Bowles is still their call in defensive plays. I still think the defense is going to be a top defense in this league. And, and not to mention, you have Tristan Wirtz, who's one of the best tackles in football. Um, yeah, I, I, that's what I have. I have the Bucks finishing 14-3, number one in the division. Justin and I are higher on the Saints. I have the Saints tying with the Buccaneers, each of whom winning 11 games this year. The Saints lost Trevor Penning for the season to a left tackle. Uh, that was supposed to be their left tackle this year. And also they traded Chauncey Garner-Johnson to the Saints, and then literally days after, days after Marcus May is being charged. So I'm a little bit lower on the Saints than it was a few weeks ago, but it seems like Alvin Kamara will be playing the full season for them. And I think that Saints team is going to surprise a lot of people this year with the amount of talent they have in that offense and a defense that should be top three or five. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the Saints. and I, I kind of lowered my stance a little bit on them. Uh, I have them. I don't even have them making the playoffs. So when I, when I was going through the schedule, I, I have them missing out by, by just a game. I have them going nine and eight, but I do have the Bucks at 14 and three. I think they're going to be a, an absolute buzzsaw and run through teams. I think Tom Brady's going to be Tom Brady, MVP candidate as always, and put his team in position to, to win a Super Bowl again. So for the NFC South, yeah, I have the Bucks going 14 and three. I have the Saints going nine and eight. I love that Kamara is going to be there. I still have questions on Jameis Winston. I don't know about you guys, but uh, – him under center still is a big question mark to me. Are we going to see the old Jameis Winston? Are we going to see the interceptions come back now that Sean Payton's not there? Or is he going to be the cool, calm, and controlled one that we saw last time under center? You know, so I don't know. Uh, I'm not going to – I got. I guess I got to go into the Falcons and the Panthers, but I do have the Falcons and the Panthers finishing with the same record, but Falcons above them in my ranking. Oh, okay. Both so five and twelve. Let's get into it because I'm gonna. I already, I already know uh, the reactions I'm gonna get, but I don't really give a crap because I can make the argument that this is what they're gonna be. <clears throat> Y'all know how I feel about Baker. I'm a Baker guy through and through. Uh, CMC is healthy. You still got DJ Moore, who's a legit number one. Robbie Anderson, who's a, a tall speedster. Uh, you got Brian Burns in the defensive line, who's very, very good. JC Horn, who is showing a lot of potential before he got injured last year. You still got Shaq Thompson coming off the injury and Jeremy Chin at the safety is an athletic freak. Um, I got them finishing 12 and five at number two in the uh, NFC South. Baker can have a good season. The Panthers can be bad. You realize that, right? It's fine. This is not a good football team. He's not okay. carrying them. And in Cleveland, they were miles better on both ends of the ball. Maybe not in the defense, no, but on offense, yeah. I mean, the offensive line is not very comparable, even though they've addressed it in some ways, adding Austin Corbett and left tackle like McQuanu. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, is that all you have to say on the Panthers? Or? The Panthers aren't good. I have them going 7-10. and 10. And I think okay. Matt Rowe will be gone. And Baker, I think, will have a solid season. And one thing I will say Baker is at his best when he is an underdog. I'm expecting him this year to have a good season in Carolina. But when CMC goes down four weeks into the season, I think they're going to be quickly rising. 12 wins for this team is a uh, a bit too much. All right. Um, I see five, but I do believe I'm with you on your boy Baker. And John hit it on the, net, on, the, on the head when he said the Panthers could play, have a bad record, and Baker could still have a good season. It's mm -hmm. all possible, and I, and I see that exactly happening. Who knows? I, I actually maybe Baker is a quarterback for the Panthers the season after that, if he if he puts up good numbers and and a head coach is there and willing to invest in him and and they believe in him. But it's definitely possible. Mm -hmm. They have weapons on the outside, but like I said, yeah. I just don't believe in everything that can go wrong will go wrong with the Panthers. 
So five and twelve, bud. Yeah, with the uh, so with the New Orleans Saints, I'll jump on next uh, real quick. I have them finishing eleven and six. Uh, Michael Thomas is back. Jameis is healthy. Alvin Kamara is going to play the whole season. Uh, the defense is very good. John's very very high on them. But uh, my one drawback is no more Sean Payton. He's gone. So that that's my one major concern. But I still have them finishing eleven and six. So I have them. I, I, I have them record. Nice. We yeah, agree. Eleven and six. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> awesome. I didn't think we were gonna. I thought you were gonna have them like nine wins. I'm happy. No. It's good to hear. Yeah, I think they're a first round exit, but they will be very fun to watch in the regular season. And the last team, Justin, you had the Falcons at. Uh, can you repeat the win total? Five and twelve. Okay. That's John, very want, reasonable. You want, yeah, you want to go, John, or do you want me to? I have. Yeah, you can go. I have them at five points as well. Okay, so for me, I have them at two and fifteen. Um, I, I they're in a re, they're in rebuilding mode. Um, I can't wait to win this bet. I can't. You're gonna be. It's gonna be a long season for both of you. Um, Ridley's got a. He's gonna be suspended for the year. The quarterback is a project, and the Matt Ryan era is over. So I, I just see them, and I look at this as a rebuilding year, and. Two and fifteen. Um, I have not much more to say on that. Anybody have anything else to say on the NFC South or? Well, we have the answer in Dennis Ritter by end of the season. Like enough starts for us to gauge what type yeah, of quarterback no, I he is. He, I think we've talked about it. Whether Mariota plays himself out of the starting quarterback position or if he gets hurt, Ritter's going to get a shot uh, to mm-hmm. play. And real quick, I think AJ Terrell is the most underrated cornerback in football because last year he was legitimately the best one. We didn't really get to talk about him in our Falcons preview enough because we're mostly focused on the offense. I'm expecting Kyle Pitts in year two to have 1,300 yards. Yeah, I think he's going to have somewhere near double-digit touchdowns because Mariota with Delaney Walker was big time in Tennessee. And so I'm really pumped up to see what Pitts can do. And there should be excitement for him and ideally a healthy Drake London after his ankle issues. But man, AJ Terrell, along with Grady Jarrett, that is the blueprint for what can be a good defense down the line. I'm hoping to see Terrell build off of a fantastic second season. Yeah. Um, so moving on to the NFC West, let's do that one. Um, I have, uh, like I said, I have the Rams finishing uh, 14 to three, tying the Bucks as the. Uh, um, I actually think no, I have the Rams as the number one seed, but they have the same record. Um. Yeah, so the Rams, I just, they're the reigning defending champs. Uh, Stafford to Cup with McVay is still going to be dynamic. Now we got Allen Robinson. Uh, and then in the defensive, uh, um, on the defense, you got AD, Bobby Wagner, and Jalen Ramsey. And I just think they're all game changers, and it's going to take a lot to beat this team. Yeah, no, it's same thing, man. I think uh, defending champions, they come out hot. I think Matt Stafford, another year in the system, it's kind of tough to beat. I got the Rams going. 12 and five, second in the NFC. I still think, like I said, I have the Bucks number one. And then I got my boys, number two. I got the San Francisco 49ers. Don't sleep on them. I don't, I think they'll be 11 and six, 12 and five. I think they're going to ball. They, they got the head coach to put them in position to win. Their roster is deep. They got depth all around. I mean, the quarterback position is the question mark, of course, but they have an insurance policy. They've been good with Jimmy G. So if things go bad with Trey Lance, which they won't, which they won't, they'll be okay. So I got the 49ers coming in second in the division. I had them going 11 and six. I had the Rams also going 11 and six. Man, do you guys really think they're going to have the same health fortune they had last year and years past? Because they've been a team that, especially with the way they practice, has avoided injuries for the most part. But 
that's exactly what they're going to need in order to make it back to the Super Bowl. Without that fortune, when it comes to health, they're not getting back because of their stars. Would you guys disagree with that? Uh, again, again, I, I when I look at when I do predictions uh, before the season, I don't take injuries into consideration. But this is I, a team I, that should be consideration because there's no team of less depth in the NFL. The offensive line loses not only Austin Corbett at right guard, but one of the best left tackles, Andrew Whitworth. This offensive line is sketchy. And I'm about to jump into the 49ers. They have a sketchy interior offensive line. But with Kyle Shanahan, I really have faith he'll figure that out. I don't know if Sean McVay will with the lack of depth that the Rams have. An overall receiver, you talk about Van Jefferson, who's had many issues. He's coming off of surgery. If Cooper Cup goes down, their season's over. And the same thing with Matthew Stafford. He's had the arthritis, the shoulder issues. There's reason to price in. There is potential this team can have injuries, and their year's going to be derailed because there's reason to be justifying that. We've seen it in years past. They have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald in the defense, the best player in the NFL in Donald, and maybe the best corner in Ramsey. After that, it drops off significantly in the front seven. You have Leonard Floyd. You add in Bobby Wagner, who's slowing down. I'm just, I can't go there with the Rams, man. I really can't. I mean, there's no receiver depth. He takes two to Atwell in the second round. Made no sense. I'm excited to see what Cam Akers can do, if he can figure it out coming off of his torn Achilles. That is one of the biggest things with this team. If he is what he was to end his rookie year, there's a lot to be excited about with that offense. But I just think Allen Robinson's going to need a healthy Matthew Stafford. I think he could be a 1,000-yard guy. But will Stafford be healthy down the stretch for a second Super Bowl run? Because remember, he hadn't even won a playoff game before he came here, let alone went on back-to-back Super Bowl runs. And that last month of the year, and January to February, is always going to be the toughest for any team. You know, you said uh, uh, aging Bobby Wagner in decline. I mean, the guy had 170 total, t- total tackles last year. So regardless, I, I think he's not going to be asked to do too much in that defense with Jalen Ramsey behind him. So I do think the Rams ultimately figure it out. But hearing your stance on them, is do you have them winning the division? No, I had the 49ers winning the division at 13 games. And look, I think the Rams are a playoff team, and I have them as the number five seed. But when it comes to expecting this team to go back-to-back, I have a really hard time going there. I Let's, love Stafford. I think he's a top-seven quarterback, top eight. Don't have him top five. Like, you, Bren, you're very high on him, and I get that. I think Stafford has been underrated, and now he's really getting that due respect. And because of that, we're looking at this team as the best in the NFC, but I don't think they're the best team, frankly. I really just yeah. I can't go so there. So just, really, really, just really quick, I mean, Matthew Stafford was dealing with a tendonitis last year, and he was dealing with him. Uh, injuries last year and he played through it he's he's one of the toughest guys in the nfl that the, the injury crunch for stafford had left and left the barn a, a long time ago he's been a model of consistency minus that 2018 season i believe uh for the more recency uh and i i, I don't know how you can say the injury concerns for, for uh bring it up for la but you don't bring it up for san francisco like you've always talked about Debo can go down with the workload he gets the running back room has been injured before and, and it can go down again does that I mean, matter for the Niners, the running back room? Again, I mean, if you keep going, again, I, I don't know. Does it? Can he keep pulling a hat? With Kyle Shanahan, I never have doubt Kyle, in that. Then, you, then I never have doubt in, the, in Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay. So I guess we're in that boat. But for me, I have the Cardinals finishing second at 10 and 7. Um, I think they have the talent on O. The defense does need some work. Um, Kyler and Cliff usually fade towards the end of the season. Hopkins is suspended for the first six games, um, but I do have them finishing 10 and 7, uh, missing the playoffs. I have the 49ers at 8 and 9. Um, I, I, an unproven quarterback, I have to wait Whoa. and see on him. 
Um, but I do love Kyle Shanahan, and I think he is great, uh, a great coach in this league. Uh, and I love the talent around the quarterback. I just, it's an unproven quarterback, and I have to wait and see. I, I don't know what I'm going to get from him. Um, you guys are talking like, you know, well, Justin's talking like MVP candidate. Can he be better than Jimmy J? I don't know because I, I have know, a lot of faith in that, man. I, I understand, and that's what we're saying. We don't know, though, what we're projecting because we haven't seen a lot from him. We will see. To round off this division, I think we all agree the Seahawks are in last place. I have the Seahawks at 2 and 15. They need a QB. Um, the, the O-line needs work. They're a top pick bound. So, uh, yeah. I would be shocked if the Cardinals won 10 games. They start their season Kansas City on the road in Vegas. The Rams then on the road against Baker. And then they're playing the Eagles. They can start 0-5 without DeAndre Hopkins. And like you said, that defense, they're going to have to expect a lot this year, Isaiah Simmons, if he can take that step into the player people hoped he would become coming out of the draft, which was a superstar on that end. And I think down the stretch, it gets even tougher. Uh, New England, Denver, Buccaneers at the road against Atlanta, and then on the road against the 49ers. Those last five games are tough. And the, th- the three weeks before that, are the Rams, the 49ers, and the Chargers. Those eight games are split by their bye week in week 13. So, man, they're going to get Hopkins back for week seven, but they're not even, like, in my opinion, I had the Cardinals missing the playoffs, and not only that, I have them at, what, seven wins? I think it's, yeah, I have them at eight wins. I just think the defense is nowhere near good enough, and in this NFC West where the 49ers, I expect, are going to have an elite defense, maybe the best front seven in the entire NFL, Nick Bosa is a Defensive Player of the Year candidate here. I think with Debo and Brandon Ayuk being out of the doghouse, you have one of the best one-two receiver tandems. And my faith in Trey Lance is because he's going to have it all dumbed down for him. With Kyle Shanahan, this will be an elite running game, whether it's Elijah Mitchell, Ty Price. So you look at Trent Williams, who was a top-five player in the NFL last year at left tackle, an absolute stud. You have Mike McGlinchey, Matt Ryan's cousin, at right tackle. The only concern I have with the 49ers is the interior offensive line losing Lake and Tomlinson and co. to the Jets. My question is Trey Lance. I think he will be better than Jimmy because with Debo, they're going to find ways to put the ball in his hands. With Ayuk, a very similar thing, and you have George Kittle. Now, with the running game as well, it's going to be so easy for him. He has everything a young quarterback will need, and with his rushing ability, man, he doesn't have to be a very good passer. Justin the more I've thought of that, the more I agree with you, he will have a Lamar Jackson type effect on this team. What do I mean by that? I think he will only improve this running game, which is elite. And at the same time, his threat as a mobile QB that can get out of the pocket and make plays. Well, at the same time, Jimmy last year was not very sharp. He made a lot of mistakes. I think he can have some of those growing pains, some of those high interception games, and the 49ers defense will be good enough with this rushing attack to beat anybody in the NFL. I had them getting the number one seed with 13 wins. You know, it's crazy. I used to think I was the only one on this Trey Lance train. And here we go. You put in them as the number one seed. So I'm just going to say I've talked you into Trey Lance and I've talked Brandon into the Jaguars. And I take great pride. You've in talked that. me into the Niners, I think, more than Trey. Than Trey Lance. Okay. Hey, I'll take it. That's a win on my, on my shelf. So um, for me, Looking at the West, uh, you guys touched on the Cardinals. I haven't yet. I have them going eight and nine as well. We've spent a lot of time talking about them when we did our NFC West episode. I just don't see it. I don't feel like uh, they've improved. 
you lose a guy like Chandler Jones, you lost a lot. Once you lose a guy like that, you lose a lot. And D-Hop missing six games to start the season, that's a big blow. You need to get off to a good start in this league, and especially when you're playing in a division this tough, if you don't get off to a good start, it's already over. Your season's done. So eight and nine, I have the, the Cardinals. And then we could talk about the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, when you lose Russell Wilson, you, you lose everything too. And much like that Chandler Jones effect, this is even worse. You lose Russell Wilson, you lose your starting quarterback, you lose your franchise. Uh, I got the Seahawks finishing two and 15. I think they're fighting for the number one pick right now. That's really it. I, I don't got too much to say about the Seahawks. I'm not going to spend too much time talking about a two-win team. The hilarity is them waiting to actually address the offensive line until right after they trade Russell Wilson just sums up this franchise. I thought they had a good draft, Charles Cross, offensive tackle. They go Abraham Lucas as well in the third round, another tackle. And Kenneth Walker, who is maybe the best running back in this draft, they got a pick 41. Boy, Mafia, defensive end out of Minnesota. I'm a fan of their first four picks. They also got Kobe Bryant, the number two out of Cincinnati, playing off of Ahmad Sauce Gardner. So they drafted pretty well. Um, you have so much talent on that offense with your number two receivers. Noah Fant, he's going to be stuck with not Drew Locke, but Geno Smith. May have been the most depressing quarterback competition known to man. And Pete Carroll's trying to win games, so I guess Geno Smith is the move with his familiarity. But I mean, I guess this is a snooze fest to get C.J. Stroud. Is, is that what the move is for the, the Seahawks? Because I feel like they actually are going to be, when they get this quarterback, a pretty competitive team. But without him, they have the worst player at that position. At the Niners, obviously winning the division. Rams at 11 and 6. The Cardinals at 8 and 9. Out of the Seahawks at 4 and 13. I think they'll take a few games, not the Broncos week one like I had him initially. I thought that'd be a Drew Lock revenge game potentially. One of his volatile performances where he throws to 270, 300 yards. Fortunately, I had him losing that as well. So yeah, man, I'm excited to see the 49ers this year. And I really just hope the Seahawks can get that franchise. Uh, they didn't really treat their last one too well, so I'm not really too sure. Um, all right, so uh, starting off with the uh, NFC North next. Oh, real quick, read your uh, read your standings. Oh, I want to you. Yeah. Um, uh, Rams fourteen and three, Cardinals ten and seven, 49ers eight and nine, Seahawks two and fifteen. Okay, Rams twelve and five. I have 49ers twelve and five. I know I said eleven and six earlier, but I got them at twelve and five. Uh, Cardinals eight and nine, and Seahawks two and fifteen. Yeah, NFC North. Let's go. NFC North football. So, um, I mean. Aaron Rodgers, two-time back-to-back MVP. He runs the NFC North. Uh, it goes through him. The defense is really good. I know John's very high on them. Uh, I know Devontae's gone, but I I mean, listen, if, if people are calling Aaron Rodgers the greatest talent at quarterback position, then he needs to make these receivers better. Tom Brady did it throughout his career. Drew Brees did it. Peyton did it. Aaron Rodgers, you do it now. Um, so, and, and I believe in it. I have them going 13 and 4. Winning the division, obviously. Obviously. Vikings don't have a chance. Uh, if you want me to talk the Vikings real quick, actually, because I have them tied, I have the Vikings and Lions going 9-8. and eight. Um, For the Vikings, wow. they got a rookie head coach. I've always said on this show and, and before this we started this show, Kirk Cousins is a numbers guy, and I don't believe in Kirk Cousins as a winner. Um, he's not the guy. So, uh, yeah, I have them 9-8, and eight, and uh, the Lions, uh, they're rebuilding, but I love where they're headed. 
I think they need to commit and give Dan Campbell five to six years to really start to, you know, to give him time. He's a coach where you invest in him so he can invest in the team and take this team to where they should have been when they got Matthew Stafford and they kept fumbling and fumbling and fumbling. So obviously golf's not the guy, but I love where they're headed with them. And I have them finishing nine and eight, and I think they can shock a lot of teams. Oh, nine and eight. That's awesome. Honestly, I was watching Hard Knocks last night, and I'm with you, dude. I would run through a wall for that guy. <laughs> so just the way they started the first episode, I was like, oh, my gosh. I think I think I want to be a Detroit Lion, dude. I was looking for my hoodie to wear for the episode, but I couldn't find it. But to, uh, just to rewind, I remember when we did our NFC North episode, I had the Vikings winning the division. And the more and more I think about it, the more and more I feel like I'm disrespecting Aaron Rodgers. The more and more I feel like that, I'm like, Okay, Devontae Adams out of the fold. But as long as you got 12 under center, under center, I think you're in good hands. And he can he can surpass and, and anything that's thrown in his way, any obstacle, he can overcome. And I know that for a fact. So I got the Green Bay Packers winning the division at 11 and 6. I don't think it'll be easy. I think the Vikings are right behind them at 10 and 7. I'm with you on the Lions. I got them at 7. Um and who's the bottom of the barrel over here? Obviously, I'm not going to crap on the Bears yet. But, yeah, three-win team. But I, I love the Packers this year, not in a Super Bowl sense, but in a sense that I just can see Aaron Rodgers doing all that that's in his power to lead them to the number one spot. I don't think they're going to be bad. I think they're not. I don't think they're going to blow your socks off, but they'll do enough. They have a very good defense, so – Aaron Rodgers is the most disrespected player in the NFL. I mean, for a two-time MVP that basically destroyed and tore up the entire NFL in response to the Packers taking his successor instead of a receiver in the first round, with Rodgers, you need guys that can you know, play with him, specifically ones that have chemistry. And it's what made Devontae Adams the superstar number one receiver I think he is. So they go out this year and they get Romeo Dabbs in the third round. They trade up and get Christian Watson. Now, I think they'll regret passing on Christian, uh, not Christian, George Pickens for Quay Walker, an off-ball linebacker in the first round. I really never understood that whatsoever. That being said, the Packers' defense this year will still be elite with Kenny Clark in the front, Jerry Alexander being healthy. I say this all the time. That should be top three, I think, top five. And you get your healthy tackles. The receivers by the end of the season are the X factor. It is a little bit concerning that Rodgers' last few seasons will be reliant on these guys who have not played an NFL game yet. But ultimately, the upside is there with Watson as your Y and then Romeo Dabbs as your X. And with these running backs, I have faith in them. I think I didn't say before, they're winning the division. I have them at 12 and 4. Initially, it's 13, uh, or 12 and 5. Initially, it's 13 and 4. Number two, I have the Vikings at 10 and 7. I think we're going to get a little bit of a spark, a little Kirk Cousins rejuvenation, so to speak, with Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen being healthy this year. Dalvin Cook as well, man. I'm expecting Kevin O'Connell to do big-time things with Kirk. Look, you can say what you want about him. Maybe numbers guy. He's also a good quarterback, and I don't think he's really had a fair shot in the NFL to really prove himself in the postseason yet. His first year with the Vikings was marred by unfortune. The last couple of years was Mike Zimmer in a defense that was consistently underperforming. You know, add in a Darius Smith who didn't play last year for the Packers with Danielle Hunter. There is upside as well with that defense after addressing their secondary issues with Lewis Sign and Andrew Booth out of Clemson. You, you mentioned Kevin O'Connell, so I just want to ask you guys, it, does Justin Jefferson have a season like Cooper Cup? 
Yes. I, I mean, not. I mean, he's not going to be triple crown, but up there have a great season. He's not going to have a triple crown. Well, that, sneak peek to our awards predictions. I uh, may or may not have him as my offensive player of the year. Well, that that's not. Yeah, that's not off the field. I'm just saying he's not going to have a triple crown champion. Those are hard to come by. But um, yeah, and and around, I already touched on the uh, three teams. But the last team in this division, again, I don't like to spend too much time on mediocrity. Um, the Bills are in full rebuild. I think you're years. kind of mediocrity, indeed. Huh? I think you're kind with mediocrity. I'm kind with mediocrity? For um, the Bears. With the, wait until I say the record, I guess. Um, they're in full rebuild. They're years away. And, and when I say years, I mean, like, years away. Okay? They should have, and John said this before about the Seahawks, they should have never. They should. They should have built the team before they took the quarterback. And John, John's a big guy in that he he believes you build the offensive line first, and then you get your guy at the quarterback so he's protected. Um, I have the Bears finishing one and sixteen, and their one win is against the Houston Texans in Week Three. <laughs> it's in it's in Chicago. They got home field advantage. They're both mediocre mediocre teams, so anything can happen in that game. I know my ass won't be tuning into that game, though. I never thought I'd be saying the Chicago Bears should be taking notes of the Detroit Lions. <laughs> never in my life. Because the Lions, after years of taking receivers in the first round and ruining the prime of Matthew Stafford, said, you know what? We're going to build an elite offensive line. We're going to go and get Frank Rack now, and we're going to extend him, maybe the best center in football. You go and get Penny Sewell. And at the same time, you have um, a left tackle. I'm blanking on his name, Decker. I'll pull it up. His first name. Taylor. Taylor, Taylor Decker. Yeah, okay, got you. I always called him the uh, former Broncos receiver, Eric Decker, for a moment. So the Lions have built an elite offensive line. And at the same time, you go out and get Amon Ross St. Brown, an elite slot receiver. You sign DJ Shark, a guy that can take the top over a defense and a former pro bowler. You have a very good number four slash number three in Josh Reynolds. And oh, by the way, you trip and get Jameson Williams coming off of his torn ACL. The Lions this year, I don't expect to be a good football team. And that is okay because no one's expecting to be. Unfortunately, believe it or not, I do think they're going to miss the playoffs this year. I mean, <laughs> it's going to happen. I think they're, what, a 5-1 team for me? No, I, yeah, I had them at 5-6. to six. And I think with Jared Goff, this is his opportunity with DeAndre Swift as well at running back and TJ Hawkinson to show he can play, and he still is a starter in the NFL. But what the Lions are doing is preparing and kind of peppering the entire offense for a young quarterback to come in. Instead of going out and getting a Justin Fields, they went offensive tackle or offensive guard last year in Sewell. They could have ruined, you know, a young guy like a team like the Jets often does. And instead of splurging this year and going with the second overall pick, Malik Willis, what did they do? They took a defensive player. And I think on the defense, Aiden Hutchinson... I also am kind of excited to see Jeff Akuda. He um, is a player I'm rooting for, and I want to see him shut off that bus label big time. And I've invested heavily, like I said before, in that front seven with Hutchinson number two overall, who could win defensive rookie of the year. So the Lions, they're doing everything right. The Bears are doing nothing right. They're going out and drafting defensive players, draft, or hiring a defensive coach, who I'm not against. I think Matt Eberflus can be a good head coach. But you take Justin Fields, you trade up to get him, and the sad reality is they're going to ruin his career. 
And as special a talent as he was supposed to be coming in for them and changing this offense, sadly, I feel like he's going to implode with this franchise because he is a special talent. And there's really nothing here outside Darnell Mooney, who I don't know if, if he is number one. He's going to have all the uh, the target share for sure. And then David Montgomery, who may not be on the team next year because they might run him into the ground and then let him go. So yeah, your running back room is fine. The offensive line is terrible. The receiving core leaves uh, a good amount to be desired after you took a top 15 pick on this guy Fields. And the defense still, while well, you got Jalen Johnson and Brisker from Penn State, Eddie Jackson and Kyler Gordon. Yeah, you're going to have a great secondary. You want to also has a great secondary? Denver Broncos, and they went nowhere without a quarterback. Sadly, the, the Bears have one. They just don't know how to actually build with him. So this is a pathetic franchise. They're going to win two games. I mean, it's an absolute disaster. Mitch Trubisky was part of the problem. So is Matt Nagy. And now this, I mean, I, I understand that their new GM and Ryan Poles are trying to fix what Ryan Pace ruined, but he still, he started off on the wrong note, just doing nothing to support this young kid who he didn't draft. So I have no faith in them. It's pretty sad. Sorry, Bears fans. I have them as a three-win team, as I mentioned before, but uh, it's crazy. We all know they're going to be bad. I even think the Bears know that they're going to be bad. Uh, I think the only hope, and even us, is just to see Justin Fields do something with it, see if he can progress some way, somehow. Uh, the only interest that I may have in the Bears is if I draft David Montgomery or Darnell Mooney in a fantasy draft. That is it. There is no interest. Stay whatsoever. far away from them, my friend. <laughs> Last year, I drafted Allen Robinson, and it didn't work out too well because he was dogging it the way he should have instead of getting injured for this crappy franchise. So, yeah, so let's let's move on from them. The, the only thing left I have to say on the Bears is if you come to me and say, oh, yeah, they have $100 million of cash this year, guess what? You also have no talent, really, on that team, so you're going to have a lot of holes to fill. So, I mean, good luck with that $100 million. It's going to go quickly when you spend it on, like, two or three players and you're still not doing anything. Maybe they um, use that to actually support Justin Fields next summer yeah. or next. Uh, so moving on to the final division, the NFC East, um, the NFC least, as I call it, even though I, uh, which is surprising to me, but uh, whatever. Um, I have the Cowboys finishing uh, number one in the division at 12 and five. Um, I, I'm a Dak guy. I believe in Dak. I think my, Micah Parsons is a, an elite player in this league. Uh, Trayvon Diggs. Young, uh, young in the position at cornerback, and I think he can only take strides forward. And you saw what he did last year. Now let's hope he can fix those errors of getting burnt on double moves and you know fighting on fake so much. If he can figure that out, this guy can be probably the best cornerback in football. Um, it's a high bar. Yeah, um, I have I have the Commanders finishing eleven and six. Uh, I believe in Riverboat Ron. Love Scary Terry, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Gibson, uh, Chase Young in the defensive line. He might start off this, he might not be able to be there for early season, but uh, when he gets there, I think they're going to be uh, pretty good. And, and again, like I said, when we broke down this division, I might be putting blind face in Carson Wentz and it might uh, bite me in the ass to, to do that, but screw it, I'm going to do it. They're not my team, but I'm just predicting here, right? Uh, and the Eagles, uh, I have them at 10 and 7. Uh, I, I don't believe in Hurts as a passer. Uh, and if you don't have a QB to put you over the top, while I do believe they have the talent around them, I think he's going to hold them back. Uh, I do have the Cowboys, Commanders, and Eagles all splitting with each other. One, uh, They're all going to go one game apiece, but I have them all sweeping the Giants because I have the Giants finishing 2-15. and 15. And, I mean, it's, it's time to start over. It's time to uh, 
start over because I think Saquon's on his way out. And yeah. Our boy JQ would probably be excited for Saquon because he's looked pretty good and healthy thus far in camp coming off of a rough third year. The way I'm looking at the NFC least, as you call it, uh, obviously, I, I feel like you have the commanders a little too high for me. I, I don't think they're that good. I, I don't believe in the quarterback under center. I That's another team that everything that can go wrong will go wrong. So for the division, I got Philly. I got Philly going 11-6. and six. I think Jalen Hurts and everything that they've added this year around him, that's a team that truly invested into their quarterback, and I think it's going to show. I think the Eagles are going to fly. And we're going to be looking at them as a true contender of the season. They got the defense to do it. You, Bradbury and Slay, I think that's a hell of a cornerback duo. And I think their defense, their offense is going to be dynamic, probably going to be the league's most run-heavy offense right there next to the Ravens. And then one thing that they have over the Ravens is they do have weapons on the outside now. So I think this Eagles team is going to be very dangerous. I think they're better than the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys... Ezekiel Elliott is regressing. He does not look like the same Zeke that we've all known. And we're not going to see him eat like he used to. So I got the Cowboys going 10 and 7. I had them squeezing into the playoffs, but they lose Cooper. Zeke's regressing. They they've lost O linemen. They've lost people on defense. I don't feel like the Cowboys are the same team that I feel like their window is shut. They missed their window. So I think the Cowboys are just going to be a mid-team. They'll squeeze their way into the postseason with a 10-7 and seven record. I do have the Giants coming in third in the division. I have the Giants going 5-12. and 12. I, I, I'm with you. I think they need change. I think it's time Daniel Jones will, will show you guys, okay, I'm just here for the year just so you guys can get a, a better draft pick. And then uh, that's it. They need to start something new. I think they have Dable. And Joe Shine there in the in the front office. I feel like they need a new new quarterback to start their their new regime. So I think Giants go five and twelve, and I think the Commanders go four and thirteen. I'm gonna be honest, Brandon. I did not expect for a division that you called the least to have three playoff teams. Now I will say, I think the Eagles are what you think the Lions are. What I mean by that is, well, I was just gonna say I, I don't have the Eagles making the playoffs though. Uh, 10-7, yeah, I'm missing. Yeah, I have uh, Was- Washington made it, which was a shock to me when I was going through it. And it's I a shock to, I think, all of us. So the Eagles and the Lions, I think, had a two two of the three best old lines in the NFL, maybe. I think the Chargers, the Shield, have an elite one as well. There's a couple of other teams. And now you add in A.J. Brown. A.J. was elite with Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill is not this grand passer. Ryan Tannehill, like you are saying before, is throwing 33 touchdowns, looking like one of the better quarterbacks. Jalen's rushing ability, coupled with what they were able to do last year in this had to run the ball more, and their defensive front. You add in Chauncey Gardner Johnson on the back end with James Bradbury, who the Giants had to let go, a very good player. I am pumped up for the Eagles this season. They're going to shock a ton of people because I think they can win multiple playoff games if, this is an if, Jalen Hurts can take that next step as a passer, and I think he can. I'm excited to see him because he has a tough work ethic. He's a great leader and a great kid. One that I would want is my franchise quarterback, and he's very talented. And there's no better way to figure out the question as to whether or not he's the franchise quarterback than surrounding him with a former Heisman winner in Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, one of the most underrated tight ends, and a star. Or not one of, okay, I think Miles Sanders is a star. He didn't have a touchdown last year. I get it. 
a very good running game between him, Kenneth Gainwell, and Boston Scott. So I had the Eagles finishing with 10 wins. I think they're going to go 4-2 in this division, and they're a sleeper in the postseason big time. Now, second place at the Cowboys missing the playoffs in 9-8. Man, there's a lot of things going wrong for this team already. You have Michael Gallup coming off a torn ACL. James Washington, who they signed to replace Cedric Wilson, fractured his foot on August 1st. He's going to miss 6-10 to 10 weeks, which is technically the first two two weeks to like month to month and a half of the NFL season. There's not a whole lot of depth here. And I think this team is going to have a lot of big-time breakouts, whether it's CeeDee Lamb. He already saw Trayvon Diggs last year breakout. And then Micah Parsons as well, who is just a spectacular talent. I think this Cowboys team is too top-heavy, and I just don't think Dak Prescott is good enough. I think he's a good quarterback, but quite frankly, I think he's average. I think the Cowboys have a very talented team, but their head coach, Mike McCarthy, is not necessarily one I have a big vote of confidence in. He always underperforms with talented teams. And outside of C.D. Lamb, I don't think this offense is really that special. Dalton Schultz is good. Pollard's good. Elliott's good. There's nothing that really stands out, per se. Zach Martin is a great card. And the defense as well, I think, is very top-heavy. Dan Quinn can get the most out of them. Ultimately, in an NFC that has so many talented teams, like I talk about the Saints, the Eagles, they're well-rounded. I have the Cowboys finish at 9-8, going 3-3 in the division. Commanders, I would be stunned if they make the playoffs over the 49ers. I think there's no chance almost that happens, because I think Carson Wentz can bounce back this year, but this is a much worse team than the Colts were last year. The defense has consistently underperformed for all the capital they put into it. The offensive line loses Brandon Scherf, and outside of Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson playing the slot, I'm not very high on the running backs. Shout out to Brian, I shouldn't say shout out, prayers up to Brad Robinson, who uh, received multiple gunshots to the leg, and he got out of the hospital. He was supposed to be uh, one of their main running backs with Antonio Gibson. I'm hoping he can get back onto the field as soon as possible, and he's healthy. And, of course, like any player who goes to that kind of trials before his rookie season even begins, I hope he breaks out and is an absolute baller. Um, not sure when he's actually going to be able to return. Says he will miss the first four games as he recovers. Hopefully we get him back before, like, November, man. I'm, I'm really hoping. Prayers out to him. So, I mean, yeah, I think the commanders, like Justin said, whatever can go wrong will go wrong. Uh, Ron Rivera is good. He's, he's a, I think he's more average as a head coach. Great leader. And then last in this division, I had the Giants with five wins. They're doing a lot of the right things. They're actually addressing the offensive line with Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas at left tackle. The offensive line's trending in the right direction. And for Saquon's health and his money, I'm happy for him as well. I hope he can be one that sticks in New York long-term and he can kind of get that string of luck any Giant fan is hoping for. And Kadarius Tony, I'm looking forward to seeing him this year if he can just stay on the field. Daniel Jones should have a better season. Ultimately, the Giants' defense is not very good. Outside of Kayvon Thibodeau, they uh, invest a lot into. But the Giants are finally headed back on track and into a direction I would call pretty good. Uh, yeah. Um, anybody have anything else? We Brian talk? Dable. I think Brian Dable is going to do wonders for Daniel Jones in some ways. Because of it can Buffalo, so much of Josh, Allen, Josh Allen's passion, passing tree was, you know, crossing routes and designed quarterback runs. I think his skill set is a little bit similar to DJ. I think he'll be utilized more properly as a passer, and he will have a little bit more protection so he's not getting killed week to week. So you say he improves uh, Daniel Jones. Does Daniel Jones stay in New York next season? Is he the quarterback of the Giants next year? No, because I do think they're going to go out and get a quarterback. It's not their guy between uh, Joe Shane and Dable. I think 
they're going to shoot for the stars. And DJ, he can be a starter, but there's a lot of guys that can be a starter. You know, you're not holding on to Tua if you can get a top five pick, and so to speak. I think for any team, they're going to be shooting for potential. In the city of New York, I just I don't think Daniel Jones is really going to cut it. Yeah. Let's um, talk some playoff football if you guys don't got anything else to talk about. Uh, how do you guys want to uh, do this? Do you want to do round by round, or do you want to – we can just go straight up to our Super Bowl matchup. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, let's go. Let's, let's just – yeah, I'll, I'll just quickly – tell you my conference championships and then what I have as Super Bowl predictions. So for conference championships, I have uh, AFC championship game. I have the Bengals versus the Chargers uh, with the Bengals taking that game and uh, going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, and in the NFC championship, I have the uh, Los Angeles Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I have Tampa Bay winning that game. So in the Super Bowl, I have Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Winner is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Super Bowl MVP, Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady wins his uh, eighth Super Bowl in 11 tries, gets his sixth Super Bowl MVP, retires, walks away uh, with a perfect ending to a storybook career, and I, I, I just think he goes out on top. We knew there was no other way you are going with that, and I do agree with you. I think, for me, my uh, NFC championship game is the Buccaneers – and the Packers. I had the Pack surprising a lot of people and beating the 49ers in the first round. Shocker, because I know after losing some four straight times in the postseason, no one's expecting it. And I think this year is going to be filled with storylines. Josh Allen, the Mahomes, of course, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, the 49ers. Then you have the sleepers in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New Orleans, Baltimore. You had the Cinderella teams with all these top seven quarterbacks, whether it's the Rams, Bengals, Chargers. Ultimately, in the AFC, my championship game is Chiefs versus the Bills. I uh, had the Steelers losing to the Bills in the first round, and then I had the Chiefs beating the, Ra- uh, the Ravens in the first round. So when we get to the AFC championship game, I had the Bills knocking off Kansas City. I think their defense will be improved this year, and the offense as well is more dynamic. And the NFC championship game, I have Aaron Rodgers finally just breaking through one last time. Christian Watson could have a big-time game a dynamic defense, an offensive line protecting Aaron Rodgers, and we're going to have a, not Tom Brady, Josh Allen Super Bowl, but an Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen Super Bowl. And I uh, have Buffalo winning that affair. Buffalo Bills are my Super Bowl champions for 2022. Bills Mafia, I'm with it. So I had a little, a lot of fun with this, looking at the these playoff matchups that I have, and I'm like stoked because I would love to see this happen. I had the Ravens and the Bengals going out in the wild card round, Chargers versus the Raiders, Chiefs versus the Colts. Oh my gosh, that would be that would be my great the greatest weekend of all time if, if that were to happen. But my uh AFC title game, I got the Buffalo Bills taking on the Chargers in Buffalo for the AFC title game. And my NFC title game, I got a rematch of last year's playoff game in the divisional round of the Rams versus the Buccaneers. I think they're bound to meet again. I think Tom Brady's going for revenge. I think Tom Brady gets the upper hand this time over the Rams, and he's going back to the Super Bowl. And I think the Bills are going to knock off the Chargers, and I think Josh Allen's turn. He's up. He's up next. And ultimately, I got the Bills over overcoming all the odds and, and knocking off Tom Brady and the Bucs. What would Buffalo do if that happened? 
Oh my gosh, man. Uh, so many people would be jumping through tables. What would Buffalo do if Tom Brady beat him in the Super Bowl and then retired? They usually do. They'll sulk in their corner. <laughs> Maybe. I do think the Packers are uh, – they're my, uh, my sleeper in the NFC in terms of contenders. I think the 49ers will win a lot of games in the regular season, but with Trey Lance in his de facto rookie season, I don't see him beating Rodgers. Maybe they just play Jimmy Garoppolo for that game, and then they should be able to beat him, per usual. So now I guess we're moving on to our awards if we're done with our playoff predictions. I know we covered that loosely. I just want to give the overall breakdown because that's going to change when the season begins. You know, oh, yeah. one guy may like let's say Chris Godwin isn't himself, and the Buccaneers are having issues in the defense. I don't think you're going to keep the Buccaneers the two of you uh, going to the Super Bowl. So. Well. All right, so are we ready to switch gears? Yes, sir. All right, so uh, yearly, um, so our yearly award predictions. For let's start off with the with the most coveted award, MVP, right? Um, I I think I already know where both of you are going. Um, but for me personally, uh, I, I wrote down um who I think is going to get it, and then who I think the the like um right below them who, who could get it. So my, my pick for this year is Joe Burrow. Um, coming off 70% completion percentage, 4,611 yards, 34 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, only a 54 QBR, but I think that him getting sacked 51 times played a big factor in that because sacks do uh, play a role in the QBR. Um, and the fact that he was able to overcome getting sacked that many times and losing so many yardage and being backed up is it, just remarkable. And I think the O-line taking... Uh, addressing the O-line and him now getting protection, him having three starting caliber receivers with one true number one in Jamar Chase uh, and Joe Mixon in the backfield. I think sky's the limit for Joe Burrow. Uh, I think he can easily get to 68 to 70% again. I think he could easily get to 5,000 yards. I think he could up his touchdowns. It could be anywhere from 34 to 40 touchdowns. Uh, and I think 11 to 14 interceptions is, is his range. And I think Getting up to a 65 QBR, somewhere around there is where I see it. Uh, right below them, I could see Russell Wilson winning this MVP. Uh, people forget that in 2020, 69% uh, completion percentage, 4,212 yards, 40 touchdowns, 13 interceptions, a 67 QBR, 83 attempts for 513 yards and two rushing touchdowns. I think he, people really underrate Russell Wilson in this, in this league, and I don't understand why. Uh, and then... Right behind him, I have a, a Tom Brady and Matthew Stafford could also get up there uh, as the MVP. My yeah. MVP is Josh Allen. Yeah. I think he's going to have a spectacular season, the best team in the NFL. And number two, Brandon, is Joe Burrow. Now, I will say a lot of those sacks he took on third down, and, oh, yeah, a lot of it was him trying to make something. He's like, oh, I'm going to take this sack on third. What's the worst that happens? We just get extra or we get pushed further back or maybe supporting our punter. At number three, I have Justin Herbert. I think Herbert's offense line is going to be spectacular this year. Brandon Zion Johnson, and you already add that to Rashawn Slater, um, the court, center Corey Lindsley. It's going to be pretty special what the Chargers can do. Austin Eckler, I think, will have maybe a career year because they add in Isaiah Spiller. So, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to with the Chargers offense with your number two and your number one being locked down long term, and Herbert should be even better. But with Burrow, he's definitely a sleeper just because of that connection with Jamar. For MVP, 
you guys know where I'm going with this. I've been saying this since we started the damn podcast. I'm going Josh Allen. I love the guy. I think he had a pretty good case each of the last two seasons. And I think this is the year he finally breaks through. And I think the Bills are going to just take control of the very tough AFC. Uh, the options that Buffalo has personnel-wise, I feel like is going to bring out the best version of him. So I think Josh Allen's my MVP. For number two, I'm going to go Justin Herbert. I think that he he was a toss-up for me because I could have went with him number one. I mean, I have him going to an AFC title game. But with the weapons that he has on the outside as well, with Austin Eckler there in the backfield too, an elite defense, he's in probably for, for young quarterbacks. I don't think there's been a quarterback that's walked into a better scenario than he has since he's been drafted. And number three, I got Tom Brady. I see Tom Brady going for another 5,000-yard, maybe 40-plus touchdown season. So there's really not much for me to say on Brady. I think we all know what to expect from him. But, yeah, Josh Allen, Herbert, Brady. I do want to say really quick about Allen. I feel like I've been overrating him in some ways because he was phenomenal last postseason. I mean, he's like the last two. 14 TDs, a total of one turnover, throwing for over 300 yards a game, not to mention the rushing. Last year, he completed 78% of his passes in his two playoff games against Kansas City's defense, which was very good to end the season, and the Patriots' defense and Bill Belichick. If you can complete 78% of your passes against Bagnola and Bill, I think you're a top five quarterback without a doubt. Now, do I think he's the best quarterback? I've called him that in the past. I have to reflect, he has bad moments and bad games in the regular season. You've seen him, Justin, against the Jaguars or Steelers, or he plays poorly. And I do worry this year, is those game, are those games still going to be there? And if they are, and it's later in the season, that could take his case and, you know, kind of hamper it a little bit. But if he can start off 6-1 and one or 7-0 and oh against that tough schedule to begin, he is uh, my clear-cut MVP. Uh. All right, so moving on to Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, I think, um, I mean, it, it's there's a couple guys, but my number one pick would be Jonathan Taylor. Uh, he's finally got the quarterback, so that um, <laughs> so um, so he, he, he the box is not going to be as stacked against him. Uh, last year, 332 attempts, 1,811 yards, 18 touchdowns, which is insane. 40 receptions for 360 yards and two touchdowns. I, I think he can get to similar numbers. Uh, and I think the touchdowns could actually go up because as John said, Matt Ryan's not really a red zone quarterback as far as touchdowns. Well, guess what? Hand the ball to the bell cow, Jonathan Taylor, and let him do his work. Uh, number two, I have uh, who I believe John probably is number one, Justin Jefferson. I mean, the guy was spectacular and he is every bit an elite number one wide receiver. Last year, he had 167 targets with 108 receptions, 1,616 yards, and 10 touchdowns. I think he can easily replicate that or add a little bit more to that uh, sauce. Uh, number three, I think a, a sleeper that people aren't talking about is Travis Kelsey. He is the number one guy with no more Tyreek Hill. I and I think the same thing. Yeah, and I think he can have his best season yet with Patrick Mahomes really focusing on him. Uh, and number four, a wild card, if healthy, CMC. I think he can always be a threat in, in this offense player of the year category. Dude, uh, it's my offensive player of the year is Justin Jefferson. I think the role he's going to play is not only a slot receiver, but an outside threat is going to be spectacular. And an offense that's gearing toward more of a passing attack, Kirk Cousins should have a great year. Justin Jefferson is my pick at number one. Number two, there's so many different ways you can go. Jamar Chase, I think, will be in the discussion, and Joe Burrow is my number two for MVP. 
So those two guys are my second and third. But I was saying to myself, you know, there's so many dark horses each season because there's so many players that have phenomenal seasons on the offensive end. So I was like, okay, you think of uh, maybe Jonathan Taylor, who finished second last year. And then I'm thinking to myself, where are some dark horses where the player is phenomenal, he's proven, and there's opportunity? I'm like, Kansas City, Travis Kelsey is a good sleeper. And then right as I'm thinking that, you go, one of the sleepers is Travis Kelsey. I was like, whoa. I think Kelsey this year, like you said, he could be top five or six. I'm expecting Juju to have a big year. So will he. And a matter of fact, so will Patrick Mahomes. I think Mahomes should be uh, one of the guys that deserves discussion for good reason. For offensive player of the year, it's easy for me. I could go quarterbacks and I can throw Josh Allen again, but I'm not going to. I'm going to go Cooper Cup. I think what we saw last season from him was, first off, I didn't even know that was in the arsenal. I didn't even know that could have been possible from what we've seen from him from previous seasons. We always knew he was a very good receiver, but to put up triple crown numbers, absolutely insane. Another year in the system, another year with Matt Stafford under center. I think uh, there's a good chance that he can repeat this. I don't know if it's triple crown again, but definitely I could see him put up 1,600 yards again. Why not, right? I think we could both see that happening. And number two, I got Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase, another year in the league, playing with his boy Joe Burrow. Jamar Chase is an absolute monster, and I'm very, very still, I'm still grateful that Brandon left him on his bench in a championship game um, for the fantasy. So Jamar Chase is my number two. Uh-oh. How did you do that week? I'm asking. Which which week was that specifically? Wasn't that the championship? It was a cha- so was that the week, week where you had like 1600? Yeah. 200 plus and four touchdowns? Yes. That's why Brandon's making that face. But yeah, I got Jamar. <laughs> I got Jamar Chase number two, and I got Justin Jefferson number three. Uh seeing what he he what he's done so far in his career, and then you, like we mentioned earlier, you add in a a, a Rams person now as the head coach. This the sky's the limit for him. He he might be up there putting up Cooper Cup up like numbers. So I got Justin Jefferson number three. And you talk about the greatest receiver performances in NFL history. There is a lot. You think of Jerry Rice, of course, and many others. Chase had 266 yards that day. So a pretty phenomenal uh, phenomenal performance on his part for a rookie. Conveniently, uh, week 17 last year. And... Well, I know what's real interesting is that um, two, two receivers that have had like historic, legendary uh, years uh, and Calvin Johnson and Cooper Cup, both of them had their years under, uh, oh, I don't know, this quarterback by the name of, oh, yeah, that's right, Matthew Stafford. But, you know, that's besides the point. Uh, so defensive player of the year. Yeah, um, there. Huh? Oh, I had to throw that. Yeah, I had to throw that one in there, John. Come on, man. You know, you know I got to. Um, number, uh, defensive player of the year. Um, I think it's going to be Micah Parsons. I think this kid is special. Um, he had 13 sacks last year, three forced fumbles. And I think those numbers are very low for what he can produce for the way Dan Quinn used him last year. I think they used him a little bit too much in coverage. Put that guy with the hand on the ground and let him go do what he does best, and that's get the quarterback. Um, I think he can put up special numbers. Like with, um, I won't go that far, but I think he can, he can put up some real special numbers. Number two, he's always a contender. It's Aaron Donald, A.D., um, not much to say on it. It's just I got to put him there because he's one of the best, if not the best defender in football, whichever way you want to slice it. Um, 
and then the the my I have like a tie for third place that any of these three can get in there. I have both closer brothers can either of them can can win this award and, and then Johnny Boy's boy uh, TJ Watt who tied the record last year with 22 and a half sacks and missed two games which he should have broke it too freaking ridiculous yeah which is freaking ridiculous but uh those are my guys and one thing with tj he played four games last year some of it was like cracked ribs and hamstring and groin injuries and so it was really only like he missed half of those games so it was really only technically in full games 11 so that's just insane that he was able to in my opinion break the record last year he got a half a sack on Tyler Huntley, where he fell to the ground, and then he give it to Watt. And I was like, that was a freaking sack. And that half sack would have given him the not 23. The best defensive player in football, year in and year out, has been Aaron Donald. He's been in the NFL for eight seasons now, and, I mean, he's already established himself as arguably the best defensive tackle in NFL history. If I could build a team, remember at CSB, Burt was saying he would rather have uh, Aaron Donald over Pat Mahomes. Now, what... Not sure if I'll go that far per se, taking a DT over a uh, a quarterback. But if there's any DT where that would be the case, I would take Aaron Donald over just about every quarterback has to the top five or six. Aaron Donald won't win it though because voters like something new. They like something exciting. And that's why my pick is Nick Bosa. He is a phenomenal, and I mean one of the most underrated pass rushers. He comes in day one and turns the 49ers defense into a top three, maybe the best one in the NFL. Misses his second season with the torn ACL last year got back on track and this is a kid he's a go-getter he reminds me a ton of tj watt in that sense where he's not going to be satisfied he's going to put more into his game and only be more productive as an edge and so man i'm expecting nick this year to win the award i think second place for me initially was micah parsons but i think the 49ers will be a better team and bosa will have a better story than micah who finished number two last year and after those two tj watt aaron donald and uh what the heck? We'll throw Khalil Mack in there. I think he has a little bit of resurgence with the Chargers. I actually have a surprise pick for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, actually, not for the pl- Defensive Player of the Year, but for a candidate. Maybe not for number two. Number one, I got Joey Bosa. I think Nick gets way more love than him, but I feel like he's motivated. And now Khalil Mack's on the other side. I think we're going to see the best out of Joey Bosa. And my number two, which may be the surprise, I love Max Crosby on the Raiders. I love him. Drive I think out. he's very underrated. I think you throw in Chandler Jones now. At last year, look, I got I got a staff for you guys. Last year, he totaled a, a league-leading 101 pressures. He only finished with eight sacks. Um, now with Chandler Jones there on the other side, we're going to see those sack numbers start to go up. I think Max Crosby, he plays with a high motor, and we're going to see it this year and um for number three i love nick bosa there's not much i can say that guy brings it every every year and then he plays for probably one of the best defenses in the league one of the an elite front seven his 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 numbers are gonna explode every year so i expect nick bosa to be in the defensive player of the year candidacy every single season and obviously i could have thrown in aaron donald but that would have been too easy for me i didn't want to um yeah Max Crosby is so underrated. That Raiders defense was atrocious without him and Yannick on the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so moving on to the rookies, offensive rookie of the year. I got three people that either one of them, I think, can win, a bit, win it. Uh, I got John's boy, Kenny Pickett. Uh, hopefully he can get uh, early, get in early to really uh, be a contender in this. Um, 
Second, I got Christian Watson for the Green Bay Packers. Uh, I, I, I like the talent. Um, I like the raw athleticism. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to love that. And third, I got Sky Moore. I think he can be dangerous in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes throwing the football, uh, like John said, the best uh, unscripted quarterback in the league. And Andy Reid scheming up some things for that speedster. I, I think it's going to be dangerous. My top three similar. Sky Moore is the dark horse here in Kansas City. Good opportunity. Now, I don't know if Pickett will start until like week seven. And if he only gets 10 starts under his belt, I don't know if that'll be enough. And especially if the Steelers only win 10 games, I don't know if it'll be compelling enough the way it was for Mac last season. So my pick is Chris Olave in New Orleans. You can say what you want about Jameis Winston, but the fact of the matter is he produces. And he puts up numbers. Talk about numbers, guys. He's going to throw for a ton of yards this year. I don't know if Jarvis Landry, he's a very good slot receiver. I think he's starting to slow down. And with Michael Thomas being an unknown, Chris Olave is going to come in and be that burner over the top. And when short and intermediate game, he's a special talent. And I'm really looking forward to the type of juice he can bring for this team. That Last year, Marquez Callaway had 700 yards. I mean, he could have 1,000 this year. Chris, uh, Chris Olave, I think, is going to be the best receiver in this class. Sky Moore is number two for me. I could see him at getting 900 yards, maybe like six, seven touchdowns, 70, 65 catches. And number three for me is Brees Hall. I think the, the Jets' offense line has improved. Yet in Dwayne, who is, uh, I said before when you're, I think you left for a minute, Bren, he was 34. He's 37 years old. But you have AVT and uh, Lincoln Tomlinson's. I think the offense line has improved enough for Brees to come in and be the best rookie running back. That is my top three. All right, so for my offensive rookie of the year, I'm going to harp on your Steelers, bro, big time. I'm, I'm a big Kenny Pickett guy. Uh, with the assumption that he'll eventually be under center, my guess is week four, week five, uh, he'll be exactly what Pittsburgh needs. As I told you, I believe he's exactly what you guys need to usher in this new era of after Big Ben. My number two, I'm staying in Pittsburgh, and I'm going with George Pickens. No, obviously, there's, there's, there's no obvious quarterback who's going to be there. But what we've seen from him in training camp in the preseason, this guy plays tough, man. And he's going to light some people up. He's going to shock a lot of people. And Pittsburgh always does a great job when it comes to drafting wide receivers. And I don't think they'll let us down with this one. And number three, I got Sky Moore. When you play in an explosive offense like Kansas City, you're playing with Patrick Mahomes. I think the sky is the limit, no pun intended. So Sky Moore as my number three. So for uh, defensive rookie of the year, um, I'm going to pick uh, the Detroit Lion guy, Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, his um, senior year in Michigan, this guy had 14 sacks and two forced fumbles. I didn't watch a lot, but he was blowing up the stat sheets. Um, I think he, he, he has the potential to be special in this league. Um, and then tied for like second, I think Trayvon Walker of the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I know John's really high on this guy, Sauce Gardner uh, for the New York Jets, I think is a sleeper candidate for there if he can get his hands on the football a lot, defend the uh, passes. Uh, I think he can be a, a real dark horse in this defensive rookie of the year candidacy. I like the sauce pick. This defensive back class is ridiculous. Brett Coleman made a video covering Derek Stinley, Sauce Garner, Daxton Hill going over to the Bengals and the Vikings. They got to enjoy one of the best defensive back classes and the guys we were talking about before, and even the Bears. For as much as I talk trash about their team, I'm excited for them to get uh, Jaquan Brisker 
out of Penn State and the corner as well. So I think a Kyler Fuller, I think, or Kyler Gordon, I think there's a lot of players that are coming out of this class and make big time plays. Maybe a little bit akin to 2020, where we saw AJ Terrell and Trayvon Diggs last year turn to all pro caliber guys. My pick for defensive rookie of the year. It has to be in Hutchinson. I think he's going to produce. I think he's going to go after the quarterback, get sacks, get tackles for loss. Trayvon Walker, I don't think he's developed enough as a pass rusher. He has really no pass rush moves. So I think he'll be good against the run, but I have a hard time seeing him get a good amount of sacks. And he reminds me a little bit of Javanian Clowning in that aspect, where he's a, he's a physical freak, but I don't know how much he's going to get to the quarterback. And it really depends on how he develops that trait, that aspect of his game. So I have Hutchinson edging him out at number one. Kayvon Thibodeau, for me, is an honorable mention. Number two, though, I have Derek Stinley. He's coming off of all the injuries, but I really think the Texans got, if not the best cornerback in this class, an absolute stud that's going to make plays. He's reliable. I think he's going to be a shutdown corner, and they could even use him as a returner as well if they want to, which I wouldn't after taking him a top three pick, but his skill set is unmatched. And as they say, man, iron sharpens iron. And when you're going up every day against Jamar Chase and or Justin Jefferson in practice and Joe Burrow as a freshman in college, I think this kid is battle-tested and hardened. He just needs to stay healthy, and he's going to be a big-time playmaker in Houston. Number three, though, I have Sauce Gardner, who I think just shut down. And if quarterbacks dare to go his way, which I'm not sure if they will, I think he's going to make some big-time plays and get some interceptions and be good enough against the run. For my, my number one pick, this may be the safe one but i'm gonna go aiden hutchinson i think he has a chance to be really special and he'll be an important piece for the lions defense this season and i think he'll he'll have a strong enough impact for what was a previously very quiet pass rush for the lions i think he'll make an instant impact and uh we're gonna see exactly why if he can get to what nine sacks i'd say that's pretty reasonable then he'll be in great shape for defensive rookie of the year number two i got mr sauce gardner i mean the guy plays with the sauce man like this, this award usually comes down to sacks or to interceptions. And there's nobody that I feel like will impact their team more than him. I feel like you throw him out there and he'll instantly have that shut down corner personality. He'll be out there. Challenge me. I dare you. People won't be thrown his way later in the season for a fact. And plus, doesn't he have his own source at Buffalo Wild Wings? I think. Maybe. Yeah, no, he does. He does. Yeah. That was the thing. They came out with his own source. So, and then I got Kayvon Thibodeau for the Giants. Uh, that's my third. Now, my only concern with this one is, are the Giants going to be competitive enough to force teams to pass late in games? And is he going to be able to get the sacks? If, you know, that's the only way that I really see him tallying it up. But he's my number three if things go well in New York. Well, I mean, smart marketing by uh, Buffalo Wild Wings and Sauce Gardner. Uh, I hope he's getting paid for that. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, Comeback player of the year. I've got a couple different guys. Uh, number one, I think Christian McCaffrey is my number one. There. I mean, if he's healthy, I, I think he might run away with this award. Um, number two, I got Jameis Winston. Uh, and also on the New Orleans Saints, Michael Thomas could also be a candidate in this. And then uh, the two other guys that I have is Saquon Barkley and Khalil Mack. I think any of these people are, have, a, have a chance of winning this award. My pick for comeback player of the year is Lamar Jackson. I think this year the Ravens are going to not only be a playoff team, but a competitive one at that. And Lamar should be a pro bowler after last season. He didn't have an impressive season. He had 13 interceptions, 
wasn't getting enough touchdown passes. And I think this year he's going to get back to that 30 TD total with all the tight ends they have. Uh, number two, though, for me would be Derrick Henry, just because of the pace he's been at. I think he's going to come back and still be elite. And that Titan game, the running game is going to be him. So I'm expecting like 1,600 yards from him, again, which is pretty ridiculous to say. And then last for me would be either Jameis Winston or Saquon Barkley. I might surprise you guys. I'm going to start with my three, two, and then one. So I'm going to start backwards. Three, I got Michael Thomas. I think uh, I, this guy had a monster year the last time we saw him completely healthy on the field. I don't have the numbers exactly in front of me. but And I don't even think I need to even say the numbers. Everybody remembers the season. He's an absolute monster when healthy. And I anticipate him to be healthy this season, starting the team, starting the year with them in week one. I love Michael Thomas, and I just think with him in the fold, the 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 New Orleans Saint offense can go a lot of places as long as Kamara and Thomas is there. That's so deadly. Number two, I can be I'm going to be easy, and I'll go CMC. I think now with Baker under center, you got a competent quarterback. Hopefully, if you're healthy, if he's healthy, CMC could put up top of the line numbers. He's, instantly a top five running back when he is healthy and number one i got my name right here this might come as a surprise to you guys i got jk dobbins i think playing in the league's most run heavy offense we saw what he could be in his rookie season now he had a whole year off unfortunately with injury he's coming back strong he looks good he might be out in week one that's a questionable one but he'll be back and as long as he's playing alongside lamar jackson they're going to put up numbers. So I expect big things out of J.K. Dobbins this year. Yeah. Um, I like the Dobbins. Pack. All right, so I'll go to uh, the final award of the year, the coach of the year. Um, I have two candidates here. Uh, I think Frank Reich uh, is my number one candidate for this. Um, I have the Colts, you know, making the playoffs this year. Being, I think I have them 12 and 5, if I remember correctly. Um, so, yeah, I think he's my number one choice. But right behind him, I have Todd Bowles. I think if the Bucs are, are what that we all expect them to be, what, what I expect them to be, I think Todd Bowles is going to get the love and appreciation he deserves. And I think he's right there with Frank Reich as the top uh, coach of the year candidates. My pick was Reich, but I had the 49ers as the best team in the NFC. And so I'm running with Kyle Shanahan. If he can be the number one seed with a rookie quarterback and offensive line that lost a couple of key pieces, he should be the winner of this award. He hasn't won it yet, but I think he's a top five head coach and, certainly deserves to be in that conversation if he's not already. And then number two would be Frank Reich, because I think the Colts this year are going to make the playoffs, and Reich with a legitimate quarterback, he had it for Philip Rivers for a year, and then a little bit Carson Wentz, will be a definitely a guy getting more respect this year, and do credit he's an elite coach. My head coach of the year is Sean McDermott. I think straight up, we're going to see the Bills fly. I know I'm a – damn, man, it's so crazy. I'm a Patriots fan, and I'm glowing about these Buffalo Bills. So I feel so wrong. But, yeah, I got to go with Sean McDermott. I have this team going 14-3 and three and winning a Super Bowl, so I don't really think it's that close. And my number two is, actually, is going to be Dan Campbell. I think uh, the Lions are going to look very competitive this year. MCDC is legit. Motor City, Dan Campbell, yo, I'm a Lion for you, bro. Aren't they going to have to win games, though? You know <sighs> – I get that, but when you see when you see what this Lions team can do if they're playing the way we all expect them to be, and that's playing all with their heart and they're they're competitive each game. They look like a tough team. I think that can warrant a uh, a coach of the year award. 
because technically we don't give comeback player of the year awards to coaches, but hell of a comeback. If how many games did they win last year? Three. Okay. With a tie. I, I have them winning seven, eight. So I think that's worthy of a coach of the year award. Um, so yeah, that rounds off our uh, award predictions, I think. So to recap, I'm gonna run through really quick. My MVP is Josh Allen, Offensive Player of the Year, Justin Jefferson, Defensive Player of the Year, Nick Bosa, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Chris Olave, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Aiden Hutchinson, Coach of the Year, Kyle Shanahan, most or Comeback Player of the Year, not most improved, Lamar Jackson. All right, I'll run through that. Uh, MVP, Joe Burrow, Offensive Player of the Year, Jonathan Taylor, Defensive Player of the Year, Micah Parsons, Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'll just dive in. I'll, I'll say uh, Sky Moore. Um, defensive Rookie of the Year, Aiden Hutchinson. Comeback Player of the Year, uh, I'll put a stamp of uh, Christian McCaffrey. And Coach of the Year, I'll also take uh, Frank Wright. Jay Wright? You froze, bro. Oh, I froze? Yeah, I didn't hear anything. Did you hear mine, John? Oh, he did? Okay, I think it's it's good. Do you hear me now, Justin? No, I do. Yeah, my bad, fellas. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Justin. You can lift read off your list. Recap the awards. MVP, I got Josh Allen. Offensive player of the year, I got Cooper Cup. Defensive player of the year, Joey Bosa. Comeback player of the year is J.K. Dobbins. Offensive rookie of the year, Kenny Pickett. Defensive rookie of the year, Aiden Hutchinson. And my coach of the year is Sean McDermott. All right. All right, all right. That's our entire 2022-23 NFL predictions and award show. Uh, that was a fun one. It was long, too. We went over uh, three hours, I think. No, two hours. Went over. Damn, really? Yeah, yeah, not three hours. Almost yeah. three hours. 20 more minutes than we would have done three. Yeah. So. Get we'll ready back. for this NFL season. I'm so excited, man. The Steelers are going to win games and prove people wrong like every other year. I hope the Patriots prove me wrong. I don't think they will. You're not allowed on the bus, Justin. I want to be a happy fan, bro. No, you're not no, you can't, you can't say that. I'm no, realistic. I'm saying that. I'm Brandon, realistic. Brandon, I think you're the only one on the bus. Yeah, that's fine. And nobody's allowed on the bus with me. I'll ride you said, you said 12 wins, and I think that's a little nuts. Uh, yeah. so, the thing is, I, just, I don't feel like we got better, so I can't find the, how did we get two wins better. Did you not listen to what I said? No, I know that. I'm just saying that's right. in my that's my brain. That's that's all I'm check. That's how they got better. That's not what I said, but it was one of the reasons I said that. <laughs> the defense will be top ten. I also said Mac's gonna progress. The defense on paper got worse. Yeah, I don't know if Mac's gonna progress to no weapons that can separate, mm-hmm. but listen, we are a Ben Brick don't break defense with Julian Edelman playing defensive back. I, I think we'll be fine. All right, that should cap it all off, right? Cap it off. Number 23. Am I going to do the outro or do you want it, Justin? Because you're the. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. I mean, Brandon was running the show today. So I feel like Brandon should be doing the outro. Oh, freaking. Uh, 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 uh. Want me to do it? Yeah, come on, bro. It's called the robot, John, damn it. All right, guys. Isn't that like a Fortnite dance? (laughs) No, it's a (laughs) robot, John. The robot. All right. Oh, my God. Uh, All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in today to episode 23 of the Wise Guys podcast. He's been John Tortorelli. I think I'm pointing at people right. It's my perspective. That's yeah. Justin Ray. I've been BCAP. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. Everything's going to be pop up. Check the description. 
click the links, like, comment, subscribe, all that. We love the interaction. And until next time, stay classy. Yes, Justin, stay classy. <laughs>